Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, July 28th. And you're listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. It's so good to be here with you. This week, we are going to focus on communication and workplace well-being. And as you know, on the Up Your Brave show, it's all about uncensored information, education, and inspiration, all for the purpose of empowerment. And I'm wondering if you're feeling positive and empowered yourself, either at home or in your workplace. Today, we're going to talk to three amazing guests. I've got them lined up for you in this order. I'll be chatting with Nolene Levinson about empowered communication and brain dominance profiling, followed by Dawa Hoogstra on how to be bold in life or business, and finally with Astiana Truland on workplace wellness and leadership capability. So speaking of leadership and empowerment, last weekend, I had the absolute honor of going away and doing a four-day retreat, um, not too far, not too far, just in South Auckland with the amazing Christine Spicer, who was my guest last week on the topic of human design. And that's what I went and learned about on this four-day retreat. But I wanted to start and do a quick shout out to the amazing people, the 15 incredible people that attended along with me. And I came home and I said to my husband, it was like, it was like being with all of my outward bound friends again, you know, people that are open to learning, are into self-reflection, are ready to debrief and dive into the the learnings about themselves and about other people in their lives. And that's that's exactly what we did. So huge shout out to everyone that attended with me. Um, and one of the things I learned that was so fascinating and quite reaffirming for me, we were talking about the throat. And um, I learned that I'm an amplifier, and an amplifier is one that amplifies other people's messages. And for me, I thought that is so funny because I have a program called Amplify, and that is what I do as a radio host, but I'm also a speaker coach helping people to amplify their message. So I'm excited to bring my three guests to you today and amplify their message. 
Um, and also look at what other messages are being amplified in the world around us. And one of the ones that's really interesting to me at the moment, and to be fair, I, I do, uh, I would say I do have trust issues with a lot of stuff that's, that's, that we're being told to look at. And something that's getting a lot of promo at the moment is Barbie and the Barbie movie. And I feel like everywhere you turn, you see some, you know, someone promoting Barbie or it is being marketed by Mattel. I actually intentionally went and watched the AM show this morning. Um, and Kate Rogers, the movie lady, was talking about Barbie. And she said that Mattel, who um, actually make the Barbie doll, the toy, funded the promo. There's so much merch. You can't go anywhere without seeing it, like cotton on and everything. Anyway, I had a friend message me a few days ago. And I do appreciate when people met, um, it, you know, it, give me invitations or opportunities to things. And she said, you know, I'm going to on Saturday night to see Barbie, you know, 6 p.m., let me know if you want to come. I'll even dress in pink. And I thought, well, I didn't really think. I actually just wrote straight back to her. So speaking of communication, this is literally what I said. I probably could have said it a little bit nicer, but here's what I said. Hmm. To be honest, I'm keen to see what messages of indoctrination are woven in, in brackets, under the guise of female empowerment. I may wait for it to come out on Netflix. <laughs> What I probably should have said was, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, anyway, she said, no worries. Let me know if you want to go. But my point here is sometimes when things are being so pushed um, in our face, I do get a little bit skeptical. Let me know if you're on the same page. Let me know if you've seen it. I do have some friends that have taken their kids to see it. And I would say, without sounding rude, again, those that are more awake can definitely see the messages of indoctrination coming through. And those that just aren't just think it is about empowerment. So I'm I am curious to see it with through my skeptical eyes. Let me know if you've seen it. Let me know your thoughts. You can send us a text 2057 or old school email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, speaking of sending us messages, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I've got one here from Diane. Thank you, Diane, for messaging in. Good morning. First, uh, I, first of all, I love you guys so much. All your hosts and content is just amazing. It's so refreshing to hear actual discussions where both sides talk and listen respectfully. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane, for messaging us. I think we've also private messaged you back with a question that you asked um, and we followed up with you. So thank you for that. Carrie Lodge writes in, in response to my episode last week about human design. She says, hi, a great retreat for your human design lady is the Bali Gardens in Matakana. Carrie, thank you so much. Yes, my beautiful friend Charlene, who lives up that way, has done a number of Bali Bliss days at the Bali Gardens Matakana, and it does look like an incredible venue. Um, I've seen a few other day retreats and workshops done there, so I'm definitely curious to check that out, and I will pass that on to Christine. So thank you so much. Um, and by the way, you know, we usually do get, I would say, 90, probably 90% of the communications we get is very positive, or at least the ones that that I receive for my show. Um, but sometimes we get some skeptical stuff, and I'm more than happy to read this out to you as well. So this one comes in. Actually, this person sent three separate texts um, all along the same vein. I'll just read a couple of them. Um, hey, Paul. I guess Paul does the breakfast show before my show. So he says, hey, Paul. He or she. I don't know who this is. Hey, Paul. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> now she's making birth, which is a natural process, some kind of thing that needs healing from. Please don't have this rubbish on again. And also, 
the same person writes in, oh my Lord, who is this host Friday at 1030 in the morning? It's me. Sorry, but as an RCR member, this rubbish is making our station look like some kind of tinfoil hat show. So I'd love to just respond to the to this. Um, we're more than happy to receive critical or questioning or negative feedback. That's totally fine. What this person is making reference to is my one of my guests last week. Um, I spoke with Baljeet Riot from Canada, and she talked about con- her. This is her topic: conquering the misconception of sexual energy. And so we talked about that topic, and she was talking about how some women have what they would call birth stories where they had quite a traumatic experience and how that's kind of impacted them. And that's what that person was making reference to. Um, But I would, I mean, I personally did not have any traumatic birth stories myself with three hundred percent natural childbirths. I had no problems, but I know a lot of women have, and it is quite a big deal. And that's what we were honoring in that conversation. But, um, you know, open to people's feedback, open to your comments and always interesting because, you know, I love self-reflection is to see what triggers you, what you get triggered by as a listener, some things that we maybe discuss or maybe feel uncomfortable for you. Another topic that was a little bit contentious to do the interview on, but received so much positive feedback was my interview with Gloria Masters a number of weeks back on the truth behind child sex trafficking, not only, by the way, overseas, but here in New Zealand as well. Um, recently, I connected Gloria with another co-host of mine, Marie Buskey, from her show, Counterculture. And just, I think it was just a few days ago, earlier this week, Marie interviewed Gloria. So if you want to learn more about that topic, if it fires you up in some way, either you're interested or you think it's a horrible thing and you would love to to be empowered and know about it or do something about it, definitely go and check out the replay. Gloria is an amazing woman. She really comes from a place of being grounded and generous and an amazing guest, but also Marie, of course, is so well-researched and such a great interviewer. I definitely recommend that you go and listen to that if you so desire. Um, Not all topics will resonate with everyone, and that's totally fine. I also um, got um, a message from someone who wanted to talk a little bit more about the 15-minute cities and how they are being brought in in this person's opinion and also mine under the guise of safe cycleways, et cetera, et cetera, but how it's, there's actually more to it. And a lot of it is done quite secretly, actually. Anyway. Um, so what I did is I connected this person with Jazz Preet, one of my other amazing co-hosts here on Reality Check Radio and her show with Dawn is called Greenwashed. And um, hopefully Jazz Preet is going to dive into that. She's already covered it, but she's going to dive into it a little bit deeper um, with this interview guest or the, the information from the interview guest as well. So my point here is not all topics will resonate with you, and that is fine. Not everything we receive here will be positive, like you guys are so great, and that is also fine. We're totally open to your feedback. We really, really welcome it. And also, if you have a topic or a potential guest, then definitely get in touch with us at Reality Check Radio or me specifically, because I'm always going to connect that person with the right host that makes sense for that topic. Um, because each host you know, has different areas of expertise, different tone, and then a different style of interviewing. We definitely want to talk about all the things here on Reality Check Radio. So before we do, and before we dive into my first guest this week, I've chosen a song from one of my favorite times of my life in terms of workplace well-being. 
Um, back in the day, back in 2000 to 2003, my husband and I and a whole bunch of our amazing friends worked at Outward Bound in Anakiwa, Marlborough Sounds, here in New Zealand, where we basically use the outdoors as a medium for personal development. So if you can picture me, not on the radio, but sailing, kayaking, rock climbing, ropes course, and even solo, um, empowering people, students of the from the ages, I do believe it's 14 or 15 all the way up. I think I even had a, a student that was in their 70s come along to Outward Bound. It's so amazing. Such an incredible time in my life. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here with the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Reality Check Radio, where today we're talking about empowered communication. And my next guest is Nolene Levinson, She's a brain-focused consultant and a profileologist. Welcome, Nolene. Hi. So great to have you here from sunny, sunny Tauranga. Yes, thank you. I'm so happy that the sun is finally shining. Yay, that's amazing. Oh, so, so those of you, for those of you that haven't met Nolene before, um, I've got a little background here. Nolene's been working as a prof, profilogist, profilogist, you can correct me later, profilogist or brain po- profiler for nearly 20 years having worked in schools, companies, and privately for couples as part of counseling. She added it to her sound therapy assessment for children with learning challenges. And recently, of course, during the lockdowns, she was able to do that online and help people all across the world, which is so amazing. She's been working also in the area of health um, for over 30 years, and she's a qualified acute prescribing homeopath and an Alexander Technique teacher. She's also part of the PHA, which is the People's Health Alliance, and located in the Bay of Plenty. So very excited to have you here, Nolene. Um, Hey, before we dive into the topic today, I'd love it if you could give us a little bit of backstory. How did you get started in this area, specifically around the work you do with genetic brain dominance profiling? Yeah, super happy to do that. Um, I Actually, when I was at school, I suffered with dyslexia. And, you know, this is uh, many years ago now. And of course, in that time, people didn't really know how to help children who had dyslexia. And I remember my headmaster actually standing at my desk and he and the teacher said, oh, yeah, she's got dyslexia. And, and he just said to her, don't worry, she'll be fine. And I, I got to the end of my schooling and, and I really had battled all the way through to get to the end. And so I, I left school and I couldn't go to university like the rest of my friends did. And it was it was difficult for me because I couldn't be part of my group any longer. And my mum, who's a psychologist, went off to Paris um, to study. And she phoned me and said, come, you've got to come to Paris. And I said, oh, OK. And off I went and I did the Tomatisse sound therapy with Tomatisse. He was alive at the time. And when I had finished that and I returned, because you can hear that I'm from South Africa, when I returned to South Africa, I was able to go to university and study. I studied English and psychology, and those books are pretty heavy going. So for somebody who didn't read ever, that was quite an accomplishment. And I I understood that it had worked, but I couldn't really understand how it had worked. And in 2004, I was lucky enough Um, Honestly, I'm pretty sure that God just managed to get me in front of this particular teacher. And she and a friend of mine did her course on brain profiling. And it was like 
somebody had given me a piece of the puzzle that I really needed because it really explained to me how sound therapy had got my brain to be able to read. And it helped me understand it in such a way that I could now help the children I was seeing in sound therapy and the parents to understand how this would help them. And so for a very long time, I only did it as part of my assessments for children. And it really made such a big difference to my life. And honestly, to those parents who walked away with that information, it was gold for them. And so it it went from there. And, and here we are today, 20 years later. You know, one thing I love about this interview, and you and I met uh, through the PHA, um, and we've never met in real life, IRL. We've only met on, you know, we had a phone conversation. We had a Zoom conversation. One of the things I'm so excited about with this interview is it really fuses together. It overlaps with so many of the topics we've covered before, and it brings it all together. We've, you know, it overlaps with the empowered wellness, the holistic health, the self-discovery, the empowering families. And that's really what this is about, you know, is empowering people and, I am a huge fan. Most of my audience knows I'm such a geek when it comes to understanding yourself. And I'm just fascinated by humanity. I'm just fascinated about how we show up in the world. And so when you said to me about genetic brain dominance profiling, I'm like, okay, well, tell me more. So I guess my my first question, if you can break it down kind of briefly, like what exactly is genetic brain dominance profiling and how does it work? Because part of me is going, do I have to put something on my head or do I fill out a survey? Like, how does it even happen? Okay, so basically it is a genetic blueprint of how your brain functions. It's how you're wired. And, you know, we don't get born with a manual, but this is as close to a manual as you're going to get because it really tells me how your brain is functioning. And more importantly than that, It tells me what happens to you personally under stress. So we all think that everybody should think like we do. And if they don't, there must be something wrong with them. So this is something that happens to so many of us. And the key is that we're all different. And the more we understand how we're different and how we're wired, not only does it help us to like ourselves and accept ourselves, but it also gives us coping mechanisms with the things that we don't do so well that we can now improve on. Um, And really, that really relates to every single human being on the planet. Um, How does it work? Well, this is really quite different and unique because it's not done through questionnaires. And it's the only kind of profiling out there that is not done through a questionnaire. Um, It's not multiple choice. I'm doing it through muscle checking. So actually, I'm using kinesiology to do this. And I can now do this remotely. So I can do this anywhere in the world, and for anybody, um, including young children. I, you know, So doing it remotely makes it so much easier. But for years, obviously, I've done this face-to-face with people and used muscle checking or kinesiology to get the information. And it's either right or it's wrong. It's, it, it really makes it easier. I, I once profiled um, the head of a bank in South Africa and I was so nervous. I was shaking. And I, I really got nervous to do profiling. But this time I really was really anxious. And at the end of the profile, he said to me, you know, I have done every kind of profiling out there. And this was the first one that was actually accurate. Because I didn't have to think about who it was who was going to be listening or, or looking at the results. I could 
you know, you got the information from me without any kind of bias. And it really is a, a good way of doing it. And most importantly, to let me know what happens to you personally when you're stressed. Are you, do you stop listening? Are you unable to speak properly? Do you take action under stress? Are you going to fight, you know, to the death under stress or are you someone who runs away? Um, are you going to quit when things get too hard? Um, so many of the parents that I speak to tell me their partners don't listen to them or their children don't listen. Or, and when we start to unpack it and we look at the profile, it is completely clear as to what's going on. And so we can get rid of a whole lot of the fights that are going on in the early morning when children aren't getting ready for school. Or There's so many, so many applications, actually. Um, and people keep saying, well, you know, just find one niche. And I'm like, it's, it's human beings. I want them to thrive. And if they understand themselves and each other, we will thrive. It's absolutely in alignment with my, you know, philosophy, which is around exactly that, understanding each other better, judging each other less and loving each other more. And I use human design and you use genetic brain dominance. And, you know, it's funny because when you did the session for me, and I know you, you do so many, you might not remember, but, um, you know, it's just what you said now. Do you take action or do you run away? I'm like, no, I totally take action. Do you fight or, you know, I definitely fight, you know, so it's so funny. Um, but understanding oneself. And, and realizing how you um, respond in different scenarios. And then, of course, the next step is applying it to your life. So I'd love to get into the how do people apply it once they know. But before we do that, let's go back to muscle testing because we're audio only here. And some people, can you just walk us through what do you even mean by muscle testing? Okay, so kinesiology is using um, a testing, well, if you're going to do it one-on-one, -on -one, um, I'm going to actually put pressure on uh, your arm and ask you not to, to, to resist me pushing your arm down. There are lots and lots of ways that this can be done, but this is the way that I've always done it. So someone puts their arm out straight? Straight. And then I would put pressure, would rest my hand on their shoulder, one hand on their shoulder, the other hand on their wrist. And I would put a, apply a, a small amount of pressure to the wrist. And I would ask the questions to the person without them answering. So, for example, your name is Natalie, and I would then put pressure on your hand. And if the answer is yes, I would be unable to move your hand. And then I would say to you, your name is James, and I would put pressure again on your hand. And if your name isn't James, there will be suddenly no resistance. You will not be able to hold your armor. So, and this gives me a yes and no response. And then I can go through all the profile your left ear dominant, your right, you know, your ear, whichever eye, whichever hand, whichever leg, whichever brain hemisphere. And I think that's the other thing that is so important about this is that we're not just talking about left and right hemisphere, although that is really obviously the, the big majority of it. But how do you input information through your ears and eyes? How do you output it through your hands and legs? How do you communicate? How do you take action? There's more to us than just the left and right hemisphere, although we, we are always talking about the brain. There are other aspects to get in and out of this brain so that we have a more rounded understanding of how we behave. Um, but certainly, so sorry, I, I digressed the muscle checking. And then obviously online, we really enter into the woo-woo territory because, of course, I'm going to do the muscle checking on my own and ask the questions. And I video, Is it video or no video? It's always video. 
I see the person, I align with them. I ask um, source creator God to align with them and my higher self to help to get this. So we do enter into a much more woo-woo territory, unfortunately for some. And then I'm actually doing the muscle checking on myself. And I use a particular one where my fingers push against my baby finger and my thumb. That's my particular one. People, There are so many others that you can try and learn. And um, and then it gets even more a uh, bit crazy there because then I use my pendulum to double check that I've got it right. I don't know you from a bar of soap when I meet you online. I don't know anything about you. I have to make sure that I get this right. And and this is something that, I, this is one of the things I had to overcome in the last few years because of course I had to pivot my business to, to learn to do things online, which for me was so huge because I just didn't believe I could do this. And, and every time I do it, actually, I'm just as blown away as the other person because I, I'm amazed that it works. Um, but it does. And yeah. And I mean, no apologies. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open to the woo for sure. And I know a lot of our listeners, mo- a lot of our listeners will be uh, uh, definitely, there'll be listeners at the moment listening to this thinking, well, how does that's not even a thing? How could that even work? And I'd say, Hey, just give it a go and see how accurate she is. <laughs> I'd yeah. invite you to be open-minded. I think people are, people are moving more towards, um, you know, looking at different options for understanding themselves and the world because they've been questioning things over the last three years. And I imagine people come to you for either self-understanding or self-understanding, but also for problems. Like you mentioned things like learning challenges. So they might come with a particular injury, ailment, emotion, condition, whatever, trauma, or they might just go, I'm just curious and fascinated to see what message you have for me or how I can be the best version of myself. Do you get everything across the board like that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What else can I say? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was a fascinating example when you said about that that guy that you were doing the assessment for and you were a bit nervous. I mean, even people in high performing roles, you know, in companies, I mean, they are under a lot of pressure and they have teams and they need to show up as the best version of themselves. They need to make critical decisions for the company, et cetera, et cetera. Just like a mother has to be on her game and make sure her kids are safe at the park, all the things. So I feel like um, anyone can benefit from this type of thing. Can you walk us through, I guess, you? so you do the muscle testing, people start to, I guess, understand the way they operate, or you talked about a blueprint, then what? What do we do next? Okay, well, depending on what we're looking at, I'll give you an example of something that happened just this last week. I um, was profiling a couple, and they have had marital issues. And in fact, the husband was away from the family for a few months earlier in the year. And when we start to uncover these profiles, we start to see where the glitches are happening in the profile, in the, in the marriage. And this particular couple had two leaders. And it was quite, you know, it's about now teaching them how to go about repairing this this marriage with this knowledge in tow. So what can we do next? What can we see here? So these are the things we need to learn. And and I often teach couples, there's a a clearing method that I learned when I studied counseling. Um, And that is before you go to bed at night, um, 
I'm going to tell you three things that worked for me today. And I'm going to tell you three things that didn't work for me. And then it's your turn. And you tell me three things that worked for you and three things that didn't work for you. And I am not allowed to talk while you're talking. And you are not allowed to talk while I'm talking. And and you are not allowed to say anything about anything. You then go to sleep. But it gives you an opportunity for people to learn in a safe place to be able to say what they want in a safe place and for the other person to really learn to listen. So it really depends on what comes out of the profile as to what it is I'm going to suggest. So I'm going to have a child who's got a learning difficulty, like I had a little uh, young girl that I'm now starting to work with, and I profiled her. And I can see she's got developmental delays. She's got maturational delays. And I know one of the few things that really works really well for that is the sound therapy that I do. So I can then say, right, this is the next step. So it really depends on what I'm looking at, how I can help. And if I can't help, I then draw on the people that I know who've got other resources that can help. But the idea is to then offer something at the end if there is an issue. There are people who come to me just out of interest of how they, you know, their brains are wired, and I don't have anything to do because they've got the right job. They're happy. They're understanding themselves. That's cool. I don't have to. I don't have to give you something to do. Mm. But if you need it, then it's really useful. I can then draw on either something I know, or some, you know, on the other professionals that I know because I know a lot of them. Through the, you know, the, through the PHA, that was one of the things that were useful, that we could create a team. It doesn't all have to be me. There are lots of us who can help. There are many ways to skin a cat. So there, we can work as a team, and I like to work as a team. That is one of my goals in life. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So a few weeks back, I interviewed Rachel Shields uh, from the PHA, which is the People's Health Alliance, which is, I think it was 25 or 23 a different holistic health hubs popping up all around New Zealand. By the way, it's also in 35 countries around the world, which is a fusion of holistic as well as um, allopathic um, um, practitioners coming together to help people and empower people with their own health. So it's it's amazing. So you've set one up um, with some other people there in the Bay of Plenty. Can you what tell us about that? And how is it working out? How many practitioners are you all in the same building? Or are you working from different locations? Okay. So we I had, were very lucky. We work in the Mount and um, we have we were donated a space by a member of the public. And this is exactly how it's meant to be. Mm. So for the public and by the public, we're all working together as a team. Anyway, this fellow has donated his space to us. And there are, there are at the moment, to be honest with you, there's one practitioner who absolutely desperately needed a space and she's working there and she's absolutely loving it um there are i think and i could be corrected because we move in and out it's an organic process this so i think there are about nine of us in the team most of us actually work at home um and online so you know either or but we're a virtual hub as well as a physical hub yeah and the idea is to be able to build small hubs all the way through because you don't want, I live in a little place called Tepuki, which is quite far from the mount. And as I'm trying to not use too much fuel, <laughs> driving backwards and forwards would be a bit crazy. 
The idea is to create hubs in your own community. And so that's what we're really aiming for and to get the public to donate space to us so that we're not stressed as practitioners about how we're actually going to cover the cost of the space, which is the thing that really I have been trying to do for literally for my whole working life is to do create that kind of a clinic. The beauty about this for me is that it is the first time that I've ever worked in a clinic where we don't have egos. We really are working as a team. And for me, that is the most special thing that's come out of this. Really gorgeous people. Nobody's better than anybody else. Um, we're all working together. And for me, that is that is really heaven sent. I don't know what else to add for that. No, that sounds that's amazing. And I, I feel yeah. like that, I would like to think that that vibe goes further further afield, obviously, than then in a clinic space, I had a guest uh, a few weeks back, Matthew, and we were talking about unity and people coming together. And I mean, a few a few things for you out of the last few years. As a result, now you work online. As a result, now you don't have to drive back and forth to a clinic space and try to pay the rent. So sometimes some unique opportunities can come from challenges. And I think it's so amazing that people are now even more open than before uh, two holistic modalities, whereas before they might have been like, oh, not that's not for me. There are people, more and more people now thinking, oh, okay, well, tell me a little bit about how does that, what is sound therapy and how does that work? Or what is exactly is the Alexander technique? I know those are things that you do. Um, so actually, I would love to know, <laughs> what is sound therapy for the people? I, I have a little idea. I actually don't really know. Um, so I'm going to ask the question from a genuine place of curiosity. What is sound therapy? How does that, how does that happen? Okay, well, it, this particular sound therapy that I do is based on the on, the, on Professor Tomatis, who was a French ear, ear, nose, and throat surgeon. And he discovered um, that using Mozart could rewire the brain. The music of Mozart was very high filters, frequencies, and actually could help to, to wire the brain. And I met him in Paris, and it was just the most marvelous experience working with him. And he was a beautiful man. He did yoga every day. He understood the chakras. We do a listening test there, and he could understand which chakra was closed. I mean, it's really a meld of science and spirituality in a way that is just mind-blowing, really. Um, and we all understand a little bit more about frequencies now, and we we're getting there. People are starting to understand how frequencies and our sound is so profound, literally. And in fact, he did a whole lot of research into the uter into uterine time and baby's ears are fully developed by 16 weeks. And in fact, it is the sound of mother's voice that starts the process of that brain development and wiring really in becoming enhanced. So all the visceral sounds in utero, the, the breathing, the digestion, the heartbeat, all are low frequency sounds. Mother's voice travels down the spinal column and comes in at high frequency. And because it's different to all the other sounds the baby is hearing, the baby goes, oh, I'll pay attention to that. And it's the act of paying attention that starts that development of their brain wiring. And so talking to baby and singing to baby is so important. And the vagus nerve goes from that right ear, the auditory nerve, to all the organs. So the sound doesn't only develop the brain, but it develops all of the body. So it is such an important time in utero. We know this about blueprinting and 
epigenetics, and we're learning so much now about that time. But that sound is so important. And this is where we learn language because your language has a band of frequencies. And it's a bit like a radio tuner, and we're tuned to those frequencies in the language we speak. So our mother tongue has been learned in utero. So there's a whole heap of information. And so it's used not only for children with learning difficulties, although that is where I've used it most, but I'm passionate about using it for pregnancy. It is so good to do a program for pre- when you're pregnant. I did that with my children. And it's incredibly useful to work with um, uh, people who are losing frequencies of, of hearing um, due to uh, sometimes over singing, over using their voices or loud noises. There are lots of different things. But the two things that I've worked with mostly are pregnancy and children with, with any kind of learning challenges. Because a lot of people wouldn't have thought about or known about frequencies and sound and also music. Um, I know that there's some frequencies that are really helpful for reducing stress and anxiety. Do you know off the cuff what some of the good ones are? Well, actually, it's interesting because when you're using Mozart, you can slow the Mozart down and actually it almost mimics the way your heart rate works. goes as well as we also use Gregorian chant and that also slows the heart rate down and so it helps people to be much much calmer but often what we're finding is that the brain needs stimulation to get going so often children who are moving too much are trying to get their own brains energized and up and running which is what the movement is about because movement stimulates the vestibular part of the ear which energizes the brain. So we, you know, we unpack what's going on and then we can write a program according to what the child or person needs. But a specific piece of music, no, I'm not really familiar with it. Maybe we'll play play a little bit of Mozart later for the audience. Yeah, totally. It's interesting because when you talked about, you know, some of the, some kids might be just doing that to get there to stimulate, it's, Interestingly, I imagine they would present as, oh, my kid's overactive or my kid's so hyper, my kid's got you know energy to burn. It's like, no, they're actually just trying to get things going. So that's interesting. Like I, what I find with a lot of holistic work like this is it just empowers people to look at things from a different perspective than what they, than what, there's more than meets the eye. Exactly. And if you look at how they treat children who have got overactive disorders, they're using Ritalin, and Ritalin is a stimulant. Yes, it's a Schedule 9 drug and not a good idea, but it is a stimulant. So that it, they understand that the brain actually is looking for stimulation, and that calms it down. Oddly enough, I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but it does. But you're absolutely right. It is about telling, you know, letting people know there are so many beautiful things out there. Um, and, and today, more and more and more rife technique and Oh, there are so many now frequency things, those singing bowls. The people are beginning to understand how important sound is. 
It is. It's so important. And we often listen. This is a thing. A lot of people don't realize some of the music that we've been listening to for years, not just the um, the lyrics, of course, if you listen to some of the, you know, if you listen to some music, sometimes I say to my kids, like, literally every song is about heartbreak, breakup, you know, tragic things like that. Um what I I have heard that music is going to transform in the coming years and probably go back to what it's meant to be, which is more more positive, the frequencies that it's um, delivered on, but also the lyrics that we're going to be hearing. So um, yay to that. Yes, exactly. Yes, 100%. Yes, yay to that. All right, Nolene, I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests. This is the first one is the up your brave question. What is one thing that you've done, achieved, or navigated through in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, I think, Natalie, the thing for me was to really learn to pivot my business onto on into the online market. It was so very, very scary for me because I had to learn to trust myself to be able to do your profile without being able to touch you and actually do the muscle checking on you live. It was, it really, really was scary. And a friend of mine said, oh, I'm getting a message that you should try the, the, you know, the pendulum. And I was like, oh, not the pendulum. I'm never going to manage that. <laughs> and I was amazed. I Maybe because we've shifted enough in our awareness and globally, not just me, but how unbelievably clear it was that it worked beautifully. And that for me, it continues to be amazing to me but it really was my my nemesis I had to really get over that mountain to be able to break through and and help people around the world and not just those I could see in front of me that is so good and it is there's something you know it's it's amazing to see people in person and I see a lot of people in person as well but you can do so much um, digitally and then help people further afield so that's amazing that you embrace that um, I'd love to know something on your bucket list, something you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly my lovely audience can help you with. Well, I have to say that the PHA, you were, you know, rightly so, is sort of the beginning of my bucket list. My husband and I have a dream that we want to open up a rehabilitation center. He is an ex-personal trainer, but really has a passion for helping people who are maybe over 50 to exercise, to be healthy. And I, and I would really like that clinic that I can offer all the things that I do, as well as help people who've been vax injured, um, share my knowledge, have people working in that clinic. I really want that more than anything. I've wanted it forever. And I, this is really my dream. And, uh, you know, I really would love that to be a reality. Amazing. I think, you know what, just saying it and the frequency of putting it out there, of course, um, energetically, but then obviously there, there, we have so many listeners. Uh, we have over 120,000 um, unique live streams, you know, so people are out there listening and there might just be someone who can help, um, you know, in that area, in that space to help you make that happen. Because that I imagine is a physical premises, like a physical space you're wanting to create. It is a physical premises. We want to be able to have one of those um, pools that you can walk in and, re- you know, there's so much that we can do to help people. And I just feel like I, you know, I would really love to get out there and do that and really help people. Yeah. I love it for the 50 plus. Okay. Amazing. 
Um, what's coming up for you in the next six months, you know, personally or business, whatever. And also how can people connect with you online if they want to learn more, if they want to book a session to try to, um, understand themselves with their genetic brain dominance. For me, what's exciting is that I really am now embarking on teaching what I do. Mm. I have done this before when, before I, I immigrated, but this is going to be the first time in New Zealand. And the beauty is I can, again, do this online. So my course starts um, in July, and that is really, really exciting. I've been teaching um, somebody in Mexico, and it is thrilling to finally be imparting this knowledge so that it can reach more people. That really is is really something I want to be doing, and I'm starting to make that happen and, and kind of building some sort of momentum with that. And so getting people in to train so we can get into schools, that we can get into counseling, we can get into businesses and just to help people to thrive. It's really my goal. So that's that. Um, how to reach me. My website is brainfocus.nz. It's really quite simple. And from there, you can book a session. You, you know, there, everything is there on that. That's brainfocus.nz. Amazing. And I love the sound of what you're talking about. I often talk about, you know, teaching the teachers, coaching the coaches. So you are able to amplify your own personal impact because obviously there's so many, only so many people you can see, um, but you're able to amplify your impact by empowering others to um, do the same profiling technique. That is awesome. So if you're listening and you want to learn more about that, of course, you can get in touch with Nolene at brainfocus.nz. Before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to have this platform. I am excited to get people to know about what is available for them. And the last three years have been incredibly challenging and also exciting because finally I have been able to find people who are on the same page as me. It's been a very lonely journey knowing what was coming but not having anybody I could talk about it with. And so... On the one hand, it's been incredibly challenging. And on the other, it's been the most incredible experience starting to have a family and friends and people who I actually have something in common with. So, And so this radio station is just too marvelous that it's bringing people together who are like-minded. And I, for one, just want to say thank you for that. Oh, well, I'm so glad that we connected. And it is funny. It's like when you meet people that are on the same wavelength, you feel like you just have this bond. And while I've lost, I would say 20 or so friends, maybe more, um, I've gained so many amazing people. If you would love to get in touch with us, if you're listening and you feel like it's been a lonely journey, but there's also been some, some silver linings for you, we'd love to hear about it. You can text us in 2057. Or if you have a question for Nolene, you can contact her directly. Um, but you can also email us inbox at realitycheck.radio. Now, of course, we have so many amazing replays. So for those of you that missed the, the talk I did, the interview with Rachel, you can go to uh, realitycheck.radio slash replays, and you can find that um, and listen to that and find out more about the PHA as well. Nolene, it's been amazing to have you as a guest. Thank you. It's been wonderful. And I look forward to hearing from people as they, maybe a few people, even maybe some skeptics will get in touch with you and get their genetic brain dominance profiling done like I did. For me, it was really reaffirming. And, and a lot of it was like, yep, 
Yep. Yep. You know, cause I'm quite self-aware. However, I'm always open to learning more. And I think more and more people are curious about that as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nolene Levinson, brain focus consultant and profilologist. In this interview, we talked about a number of things, including um, schools and counseling. We talked about how it's a medley of science and spirituality. We touched on stress and anxiety and the different sound therapies like 528 hertz or for chronic pain, she mentioned 432 hertz. Um, You can get in touch with Nolene if you want to do the profiling yourself or learn more. And I met her through the PHA, the the People's Health Alliance. So amazing to connect with her. You can get in touch with Nolene on brainfocus.nz. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. Today, we're talking about a very cool topic that is so aligned with Up Your Brave. We're talking about Be Bold Mindset with my good friend and fellow uh, business coach, Dawa Hoogstra. Have I said it correctly? Yes, you're getting closer every time you say it. Every time. (laughs) A few more interviews and I'll have it down. Amazing. Um, But if some of you are listening and you don't know who Dawa is, Dawa is an experienced Beebold facilitator, business advisor, and high-performance coach and partner in Love Your Business. I love your business name, by the way, Love Your Business. He helps business owners, their partners, and team reach their objectives in life and business. He encourages people to really lean in and be bold. Uh, The Be Bold philosophy and toolkit is guaranteed to work. Well, that sounds good. Dawa is highly energetic, focused, and committed to get results. I love the sound of that. I know that, um, you know, you and I have been business friends for years. I'm so thrilled today to share some of your wisdom with people across New Zealand who may or may not be business owners, but I feel like everyone can benefit from this kind of Be Bold mindset because it's been a bit of a journey for everybody, particularly the last few years. Um, hey, before we dive in, can you give us a little bit of backstory in your own words? How did you become the Be Bold guy? Uh, yes, and you're right. It's not just for business owners. It applies uh, right across the board. Um, I immigrated when I was about 23, 24 to, um, to New Zealand. I came for like a half-year trip and never really left. Lovely New Zealand. Um Got to do exactly the reason why I went there because it was for freedom. One of my main motivators is freedom. Um, So I felt here in New Zealand, you can do whatever you like, right? And so to me, that, you know, I've been a dairy farmer, I've done civil engineering, I'm now a business coach, and it's all okay. I can run a restaurant and not be tired of doing that for 25 years. You know, I did it for five years and that was enough. Okay. So. That's also how I rolled into the uh, um, consulting and coaching was because I was trying to figure out how I can, um, you know, contribute to other people uh, based on my experience in various different types of sceneries and various different types of settings. Um, so I, I thought advisory and coaching might be the way to go. <laughs> okay, So I joined this big consulting club at one point. And um, that felt way too restricted in terms of methods and systems and uh, subsequently moved out to uh, further uh, concentrate on coaching uh, and advisory as a combination. And then I moved all the way to the mindset component, 
being to me the big key access point to how get how to get get change going and how to get implementation going. So um, even though I'm a business uh, guy, uh, you can have the best business plan, um, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't get implemented, right? So I, I was getting as as I was on my own awareness journey. I was also getting very interested in what other people, what other made people tick, what made people actually do the things that we agreed to do. Um, and then I got more interested in the mindset component of that to figure out, um, you know, how to get people um, actually taking the steps. You know, interesting. I came to New Zealand at the same time, age 23. Um, what country did you come from? I'm from the Netherlands. Um, yeah, so it's a different culture here. <laughs> As you know, um, so I quite often think, you know, Dutch people are quite direct, Natalie. Um, I am still quite direct. And at some point I felt I had to soften off every part of my culture to actually mm -hmm. fit in, to not upset anybody, right? And in my present scenario, uh, I can at least be myself. You know, I say to everybody, you've got to be yourself. You know, that's also part of you, okay? So, um, and it helps um, to have transparent conversations. Um, you know, don't have to be mean about anything. It's just be clear about what you're saying. And that sometimes when we're coaching, it helps people to, you know, formalize what it is uh, that uh, to clarify. Yeah. I love that though, because coming from the Netherlands, a bit more straight up, as we would say, a bit more um, direct, but then you've really used that as your superpower because you're helping people to be bold. Um, so I think that's great. What does it mean to you? Let's kick things off with my first question, which is, what does it mean to be bold? What do you mean by that? That's quite funny um, you say that because I always ask people that in the start when we start working together, what does it mean to be bold? And they don't never, never, never need a um, definition. They already have a sense of what be bold means. Um, basically uh, incorporating generally things like stepping up, you know, actually doing what I want to do, uh, being brave, people would say. Um, then sort of with a bit of work, people would say, oh, being in my flow, right? That's being bold. So that, that, that's all sorts of connotations with it. But most of the time, if I say to you, what is be bold? You know what that means for you. And it mm -hmm. doesn't really matter what it means to me, right? It needs to mean something to you. And well, I love that because quite often in my show, you know, sometimes at the end or the start, I'll say to people, you know, how, what does upping your brave look like to you? Or what would that look like in your life at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I love that you asked that question. And so I will ask our audience, hey, if you want to text us at 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio, what does, what does it mean to you to be bold? Meaning what would that look like or feel like? Um, if you were to do that in your life or your business, your job, whatever, your relationship, your wellness, um, what would that look like for you? We would love to hear. You can send us a message. Um, so I love that. It's very interesting. So let's talk about, you know, the Kiwi culture. That's true. There's lots of different people and a lot of different people from all over the world. I've got so many, so many international friends. Um, but there is that kind of sense, you know, the tall poppy thing. I mean, that comes up a lot. Um, how can people be more bold in their life or their business? And I know you do education around this. So how can we, if we get clear on what be bold looks like to us, the next step, of course, is how do we do it? How do we be that? How, how do you do it? Yeah. Um, 
So there's a lot of education around or, you know, training seminars in sort of what I call an American style of Yahoo, you know? Yes, we can do it, la, la, la. And and (laughs) invariably, I get people that are coached, they uh, have been to that type of thing. They get highly inspired on the weekend or on the during the course but as soon as the course is finished or the weekend is finished their energy status starts to drop okay so that is just um that type of modality they they um click into the aspiration and they say you just need to work hard for it you know uh, i need to work on myself to change myself to do this and then i'll then i'll be happy okay then i will achieve those goals so it's very much a work hard, get up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, do a massive gym session and then be at your desk at half past six and then you're going to take over the world, right? Whereas where we come from, it's much more about, you know, learn how to, how you yourself tick, who you are, no work on required. You just need to do some work, but more like uh, accept yourself of those things, okay? Take yourself along in the journey, you know, you're not... You don't have to separate your identity <laughs> all the way to actually make progress. Okay, so it's combining a lot of uh, uh, sources from like uh, positive psychology, right? Which is which is in, in in including things rather than excluding things. It's not about fixing things; it's about accepting things, right? So in terms of we made it all because we work with business owners, but it doesn't really matter who you work with, by the way. But you know, they don't have all year to try and get their head around these things, okay? And uh, they want to get cracking on changing their business, right? So I've made it a prerequisite to actually do Be Bold Kickstarter prior to doing any business planning or coaching at all. Because uh, over time, that's what we found that worked best. Um, so that that meant we needed to do be bold at least the Kickstarter quite condensed and quite have some tools in there that just made a massive difference quite quickly, right? So it's a four or five six week program <clears throat> that deals to this. So on and we make it simple, okay? So it's we you know a lot of uh, education dives into all the gray zones and it may be like this and you just need to increase your awareness and then it all might come together at some point and then all of a sudden you're a conscious human being okay we go well you're a conscious human being already it's just you're not you don't know that yet right uh or you don't you don't see what you're already conscious of okay and it will help you to increase those that awareness so we try to keep things simple yeah remember we talked about one point about the red zone and the green zone okay as soon as i mentioned that people immediately know what is green, what is red, okay? Um, I can then go further and say, okay, what, what feelings and thoughts and behaviors go with the red zone, okay? And everybody goes, well, obviously this, okay? No problem at all. I remember you, you and me doing that exercise once. was no big deal at all, right? Then you can say, okay, if you these feelings, rather than, oh, they're nasty and I don't want to have them, Okay, this is a, turn it around into an acceptance and saying, hey, I actually welcome these feelings now because they tell me where I'm at, right? So as soon as I know I realize I'm in the red, okay, if I've got that awareness, I can do something about it to get out of there, right? But if I accept it as being normal, this is just how I feel all the bloody time, right? Then, then I can't do anything. So you bring the... Uh, you know, the simple model into being and next next minute people know very clearly if they're operating in the green or in the red, okay? Then we can do some context mastery to figure out what is behind those, what drives those red feelings, yeah? And what beliefs are behind that. 
that don't necessarily have to do that, but you know, it's very helpful for people to understand themselves better to realize that all that these drivers come from very early on, early in childhood to you know, to adolescence. That's when all these beliefs get set. From then on, we just act out on those things. Big mind-blowing exercise, right? People realize all of a sudden the stuff that I felt yesterday came from when I was 14 or seven or six, right? And then you then you make the kind of connections between um we'll go do work on the other side for a bit on the green side we'll go and have a look at the yeah i mean hey if you can give us because my, my audience loves a good practical tip that they can apply if you can maybe walk us through like even the green zone what does that exactly mean and if we can think about some things that we feel or experience when we're in the green zone that that'd be great okay so like for every feeling that you feel in the red zone you have a feeling opposite totally opposite in the in the in the in the green zone but our whole being is around trying to focus on what not what is not going right instead of what is going right okay yeah. so again that's sort of work what we do so for example imagine a red zone feeling Natalie right anyone like frustration is this what I'm frustrated like? okay yeah. so now and I ask you then imagine the complete opposite of that in the green zone. It doesn't have to be the literal opposite, but it's a yeah. different sensation, different feeling. Right? What would that be? What would be the opposite of frustration to you? For me, it would be like peace or present. Right. Or calm. Can you feel the, can you feel the different energy around it? Mm. Right. So we don't even have to be very specific about what feeling or what thought it is, right? If it's got an uplifting energy around it, <laughs> it'll be green. And if it feels like a sucking energy, it's red. Right. Okay. So just that awareness already. Um, now, then we've got some tools to get people from left to right uh, on conscious, you know, so to, by identifying those feelings and being able to say, okay, cool, I'm this and this and this, fine, what did you make it mean, right? Okay, 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 what, uh, what core belief was being triggered here? There we go. This is the one that was being triggered. I'm alone, I'm sad, I'm, yeah, I'm unworthy, I'm, um, I'm fat, I'm, um, you know what I mean? There's many, many, many beliefs that can be triggered. Once you recognize that those are being triggered, then you realize how old you were when they were being triggered. You can then move on to saying, okay, there must be something that you're getting out of this, otherwise you will be out of that state, right? So we've got that process called the reset process. We'll take all the way through the, 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 the feeling and the rationale and your beliefs to get to action, okay? Um, and short, it works along a ACA principles is acronym for um, awareness, choice, and action. Now realize that last word, right? Action. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of modalities that focus a lot on awareness, and particularly in coaching modalities where there's no the the, the, the coachee wants to be is the one that is in charge of everything. So that's the person that then needs to actually come up with all that stuff, right? So if you're in a counseling scenario, then it might work, you know, to work through your feelings and, you know, what just happened and to try and get some perspective going. Those people are not necessarily too keen on helping with the solution of that, right? So I've had two people yesterday in a group that two of them had, you know, years of counseling, massive depression, anxiety issues, right? Um, And I said, so what did you get out of this course? And they said, okay, that I actually have the power myself to take action. It's, so that's an insight for somebody that has had 
um, you know, what we all have in life at some point. Um, but an insight in terms of like, hey, I realized I had the power myself. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, listen to the two words here, power myself. You know, that's why we call it self-empowerment, right? <laughs> okay. Now, just a little side story. There's six or seven people there, and the one common uh, core belief they all had was, I am alone, right? Okay, so when the stress comes on, that person would not reach out, um, you know, particularly when the stress comes on, right? They're happy when it's all going well, okay? Then they're happy at working as a team. But as soon as the stress, they will go by themselves. So they realized uh, in that moment of isolation, this is almost self-isolation, okay? When they did the reset process, that they actually did have power themselves to get out of that. It was a massive breakthrough for this person, okay? And that, that can all be reached in four or five weeks. Yeah, I, I think it's so powerful. I mean, I'm, I'm such a huge fan, and that's what my show is about, motivation, inspiration, you know, education. But looking at ourselves, but not focusing on, oh, I need to change this and I need to change that. So you're you're saying kind of recognize it, acknowledge what it might be, the limiting belief or whatever it is, and then realizing we have the power to make a change. So I love your acronym, ACA, which is Awareness, Choice, and Action. action. Okay, so the the awareness, um, sometimes if there's no C and A following it, right, Mm -hmm. actually increasing awareness to a higher level is not always that helpful because then you get to see stuff that you might not necessarily want to see if you don't have an avenue to do something about that at some point, okay? And that's what's happening a lot when people um, initially do self-awareness work or awareness work is they get very aware of how shit life is or how shit they feel about stuff, right? And so that's why we feel there needs to be a follow-up to that um, in the CNA, ACA, okay? So so where where it leads then is the commitment, the choice that you're taking, right? So if you're not really not very sure about what you're committed to or what you're, you know, then it's very hard to, to take a choice, isn't it? So if you know that, you know, your health, for example, or joy or community or legacy or love or that type of thing is more important to you than whatever that red side is drawing you to, right? Then you can make a clear choice. And the more clear you are about where you want to go to, what is more important to you, your values, in other words, right? Your motivators. Then you can have a bit of friction between the red zone and the green zone. But when you find people, uh, now we express that in a sort of a zero to 10 mode, okay? 10 is everything's flying 100% honky-dory, right? Zero is you know, show me the nearest bridge and I, I want to jump off it, okay? So that's level of depression, okay? So when I normally when we find people, when I work with people, they, they're around sort of like four, five, maybe five and a half, right? They said they've got a foot in each camp. They're spending a lot of time in the red, okay? And then moments in the day that goes up a bit higher and then it soon drops back down to five or so on the average, right? That's normal, okay? Um, you, you uh, Even in... in, in uh, in places where you walk in, you think, okay, everything is going pretty good. And if you say to you, hey, Natalie, out of 10, how much are you showing up? You know, you go, oh, yeah, probably only six or seven, really, to be honest. Okay. I don't show up at 10 every day. But imagine if I did show up at 10 every day, you know, what would be the difference? 
quite a big difference into how you feel and also quite a big difference in terms of the result, results, okay? But in the main, it's quite normal to be hanging around the middle somewhere and just feeling a little bit not too great, you know? What I love about this is, like you said earlier, it's easy to do some sort of training or go to an event and you come back and you're all pumped and you're like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to do that. And then we lose the momentum. And this is cool because it enables people or empowers people to move themselves along, noticing, oh, okay, I'm in the red zone. <laughs> Whoops, yeah. there I am again. Um, you know, and how can I get back into green? And so using that languaging. Um, so what about, these are some common things that a lot of people will experience, I imagine, and that you come across, you know, anxiety, stress, and also procrastination when people are like, I really want to do all these things, but I just don't know how to get started. So can we use this tool for all of those scenarios and more? Yeah. Yeah. Short answer is yes. Um, so for example, like stress is very common, eh? business yeah. stress. Okay. But then you say, okay. Why are you so stressed? Well, I've got all these things to do. All right. Are you very clear on what all these things are? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, if I write them all down, then I'll really go nuts. Okay. So I won't. Okay. So they pretend like they go back into themselves and they don't want to know all these details. Okay. So you spend a bit of time actually writing it all down. And then you say, what's important? What has to be done today? What can be left to tomorrow? Right. Soon they have a little list. They go, oh, I can get my head around this. Yeah. But it suits people, and that's your straight-out mindset. It suits people not to know. Okay, that's again, that's awareness. Okay, if you not, they just push it under the water, so it sits there. What they find out during the course is that it is actually it fits their view of life, right? It fits their way of how they look at life. Okay, this is what I believe. It fits their bigger belief system. Once they realize that, they also know they have their it's their duty or their power to be able to do something about that right so so that for a while that i thought life was controlling them but then they figure out the next effect that's not true right it's the other way around i'm actually making this true i'm keeping myself without time management tools i don't not diligent in the morning with what i do i just go from this to this to this yeah i just get drawn from things rather than controlling my own time right that's just time management okay stress can also come for example from really unexpected places, like um, last week, there's a big organization I work with, right? It's got some lady superstar administrator out the front of, in, in the front as you arrive, okay? And this lady is fantastic. Okay? It's like she's really, really good, okay? So her boss tells her that every day, okay? And it's just like your father might say to you, oh, my little, little princess and just, you know, like, wonderful, wonderful. What this guy didn't realize that every time he said that to her, she was getting another level of, hey, I need to be better than I was yesterday because, yeah. This is really unexpected. Like uh, the bar was raising? Sorry? Like the bar was raising, the expectation was going up and up? Every day she didn't, if she didn't feel perfect, right, mm. which is done most days, okay, because there's always something to find wrong, right? She wasn't meeting the expectation of him as well as herself, okay? I brought it back to herself. Just focus on yourself. What's your expectation? was almost identical to the bosses, so there's no big deal, okay? But he made it his thing. He said that to me, and that makes me feel bad, right? Uh, I said, like, so this is people being positive, Natalie. Imagine the other way around. But mm. You get criticized every day. It has exactly the same effect, okay? So it doesn't really matter, good or bad. 
okay. what matters is how your own uh, how you, how you believe you are and what sort of uh, core belief negative core belief you're trying to uh, unbalance okay so in this case I'm useless I'm not good enough right I'm alone so that meant this person you know the, the business was growing and she was doing more and more and more right and she just felt like totally adrift in terms of I need to do all this in the past I used to be able to do all this and now I can't do this anymore and every time she asked for help she would think she would interpret that I'm useless yeah so she was working against her own core beliefs in terms of uh how to how to move forward on this thing right now that's hard for a person okay if you then add some personality to it you know like uh personality uh quadrants you know and, and this this person is also massively empath empathetic Okay, like a team builder type person. So for her to ask anybody else to do anything for her was totally, totally against her personality and against her mindset. Okay. Now, this story is still unfolding. She's now making a list for somebody else to go and take some stuff over from her. But this, she needs to really lean in to the A, make the list, then to have the discussion with that person who's going to take it over, then not to sabotage this thing by not being specific about mm -hmm. what that she wants another person to do for her, right? So that she actually makes sure that it fails so that she can take it back on again and say, hey, see, I tried, but it didn't, it didn't work, so I, I have to do all this, okay? But what she's fully realizing after five, six weeks that she is in, in charge of the stick and she's committed. She says, I'm not putting up with this. I am going to put on, I'm going to carry on with this. You know, I'm, I'm going to lean into what I, I, is uncomfortable to me and I will actually uh, make this happen. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's the thing. So it's a human nature, perhaps, that people don't want to make a change until it just gets to that kind of breaking point or enough is enough. Um, but some people do love their busyness, not their business, yeah. <laughs> but their busyness. Some people do cling to it. How is it, you know, how do we get people to focus on the things that they really want to do? Like you talked about focusing on their vision instead of focusing on what's going not so great, focusing on what how they do want to go. Do you find people still cling? They still cling to the, all the things they they think that they need to be doing, even though it doesn't really serve them. People, um, I mean, habit. It's just a habit of a lifetime, right? So you've got to be conscious. You've got to be aware of that that is happening. So and then when it's happening, you don't go, "Oh shit, that's me again," right? It's more like, "Okay, I'm doing it. Fine, I can move." Okay, so yeah, a bit more ACA. of a upbeat, positive way of looking at this. Okay. Um, Yes, people do that. But for example, somebody said had a, a business that had 15 people working for him in a manufacturing outfit. Okay. And the whole business was about him, basically around him. But at one point he said, um, Hey, you, you know, I always wanted to be an ocean rower, right? He dropped that in conversation like half and a half a year after we started working with him. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, hang on a second here. Now you said something really critical. And now all that stuff about not being able to delegate anything to anybody, right, has to change. If you want to do some ocean, ocean rowing, you, you've got to be practicing, right? You've got to be out in the water a lot, okay? You've got to be able to leave your factory every so often for a week, go training in Tonga or somewhere, or somewhere else or off Auckland Coast or somewhere, right? So as soon as that seed was sown that you could potentially do that, yeah. Uh, he, he, the next evening, he found his rowing machine. He was already away, right, in his mind with me. And two months later, he went to Tonga for a um, for a, for two week um, training camp or something. Okay, and he comes home, flies home, and he was like 
It was okay when he was away. <laughs> On the way home, his stress started getting to him. So he came home and he basically, first thing he did is went past the industrial area to check whether or not his business was still standing. Okay. In actual fact, that week, those two weeks, they, they I, I worked with the sales guys and I said, this is, this is it. This is the time we're going to show him that we can work by ourselves. Okay. So let's do this. Let's, yeah. So we got right in there. So he made two weeks. Uh, we surpassed his records t- twice in a row. The first week and the second week, we surpassed the first week in terms of sales activity, right? So he came back in the floor, of course, same thing on the manufacturing outfit, you know, in, in the back end on the factory. These All these people, I, I just said, hey, you got a chance here. So now it's time to stand up. Okay? So let's, let's show this guy what we can do, right? Lovely, right? He comes back. As soon as he found that the business was still standing and had done a great result, they turned around. He turned around and he booked his uh, transatlantic. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful story, right? And this is incredible. Not, honestly, I can come up with many stories like that. Um, once people get clicked into the, what really motivates them, right? Yeah. Everything else can, uh, and, and then all the nonsense that belongs with that busyness and that this and that becomes really focused all of a sudden, right? Once you know what's more important, okay. And that is that still behind the premise of ACA, okay? If you know what's more important to you than buying in on a red story, right? Yep. If you really know what's important, important, but on the green side is more important to you, then it's easy to make choices and changes. If you leave it all nice and gray, you won't move. That, that's the difference. It's, it's, an, it's a massive lift in standard of clarity. Uh, massive lift in integrity. If you say to me you're going to do something, well, we're going to let you get away with it once or twice. But after that, we say, hey, Ned, you said you were going to do X, Y, Z. How can I trust you? Yeah. And there's a little invitation to our listeners because this links so well to the bucket list. And most people have heard me talk (laughs) about the bucket list. It's a question I ask everybody on my show. But a few weeks back, we had a guest, Travis Bell from Australia, from Australia, and he is literally the bucket list guy and he helps people to write their bucket lists and he's a big time speaker and everything. So what I loved about that story, Dawa, is this guy essentially shared with you just like an offhand remark yeah. Yeah. about the ocean rowing, which probably was something that he'd always wanted to do or that he really felt drawn to. You can say maybe it was or wasn't on his bucket list. But when we've got something like that, that we're like, oh, I really want to go to Greece or, oh my goodness, I would love to, like my sister, you, a few years back, she wanted to run the New York marathon. I do not want to run the New York marathon, but she did, you know, so we all have these different things and I love it. It's like when you know something that somebody really wants to do, that's an incentive for them to take action, to allow themselves that space in their lives. Um, to therefore for your, for your guy in that example, delegate some stuff or trust his workers to, do the things while, and he doesn't have to be there all the time. That's so powerful. Hey, I wanted to ask you about this because I know you do a lot of work with couples in business, like couples who are in business together. Um, do you have any tips or guidance for any listeners out there who are in partnership, you know, in a business, probably whether they're running an Airbnb together or they've got products or whatever it might be. Do you have any tips from all the work you've done regarding couples, like just a one-liner or one or two tips that you can share with us today? Um, well, as you know, I'm not in a relationship myself right at the minute. <laughs> okay. So 
I always felt maybe I shouldn't do this couples in business. But on the other hand, I know quite a few things of not to do, what not to do, and things that ha- like what actually didn't go well, and you know how to change it. Okay, so for whatever it's worth, right? I think the first thing is um, look after your own state rather than say it's them, it's me. If they were different or the business was different, just first of all, come down to yourself, okay? There's you. And if you're not balanced, don't worry about the business or anything. Just sort out your own thing and then work together on the business. It's definitely better together, right? But what, when I work with business partners or partners that, you know, that when one person works in the business and the other one doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The business is like a third leg or a fourth leg, you know? You've got yourself, you got a partner, you got the relationship, and there's the business, and it's almost like having four four people in the ma- in the same band. Okay? Right. <laughs> so, but still, in any case, come down to self control your own mental state. Get to seven, eight, or nine in terms of how you're functioning. That would be my best tip, I think. All right. Don't- okay. So, just to interject, get yourself to a seven, eight, or nine on the one to ten scale. Okay. Or, got it. Like, or, always first before you do anything. Okay. Yeah, that's right. as simple as you say, ask for a quick tip. Yeah, yeah I love it. Simplest, okay. Now you, you, you'll you find if you test that with yourself, that's not what's happening. Um, and, if, you know, if you say, okay, is something happening? Oh, we have a big tax bill to pay, or we got such and such in the bank rung up, or, you know, this month we didn't do as much turnover, or just in a personal setting, you know, I wanted to go to one of my swimming lessons for my daughter, but it didn't happen. Okay. So, how are you feeling about this right now? Okay. Four out of 10. Okay, let's get you into seven or eight out of ten and then start making a plan for how to change that. Because if you're trying to make a plan with somebody that is uh, operating at a three or four out of ten and you're trying to use their logic to do it, they'll find 1,500 reasons why not to do it. Yeah. So you've got to first shift the mood in the the mindset. First, what are you more committed to? You said health was very important to you, Natalie, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, well, how much health is in what we are stressing here about? How much health is in there? Oh, none. Okay, let's move then, shall we? Yeah, move. Okay, now let's think about a solution, okay? So there's another thing. So there's the next step then, okay? Move your mindset before you think about your solutions. So I love it. And you know what else? is? It's really resonating for me because a lot of the people I work with, I call them, and I call myself, fun bossy. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you've got that fun bossy vibe, which I really appreciate. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they just need someone to, you know, provide not only insight, but just a sounding board, you know, a mirror back to them, but putting it in the numerics like you do, like the one to 10, let's, how can we get you to an eight? I really like that. That's cool. Well, because it allows you clarity. And it seems, it's really, in a way, it's a bit couch key, um, Natalie. Mm. But if you said six, I would ask you then, how, what would make that a nine? And you'll be quite clear what the difference is between where you're at now and what make it nine. So that you get clarity, you can do something about it, right? If you leave it all unsaid and gray and under the water, we won't be able to do anything about it. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you what it is. I'm not I'm not telling you what would make it a nine, right? Yeah. I'm asking you what it would be. And then I would say, okay, cool. So this and this and this, and then will we be a nine? You go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, actually. Then I will be a nine. Cool. How committed are you to doing that? <laughs> Simple as. A lot of people don't bother about that two-step approach, right? They, they just go straight to the answer. And you'll find, I'll find, like you say, oh, I can't get to my swimming lessons to watch my daughter. 
and but it's not until we're in the green we can go ah oh, well cool i just asked my grandmother or such and such to go and visit this and this and uh, you know ask it a lot but you know to me there's many solutions but they don't seem to pop up in the mind when the mind is going everything is wrong with my life everything is not happening everybody's against me i'm all alone i'm the only one doing anything right yeah so you need to get out of that zone first before before you come because the mind is just focused on problems um so just go hey mind i want you to focus on solutions now right exactly and i think it's so beneficial we can use this technique in our business or even you know our job like the team that we work within our family unit but also if we take a step back the bigger perspective of the world at the moment it's so easy to get stuck in oh my goodness you know this is going wrong and that's going wrong and did you hear about this and did you hear about that but it's like what is the focus on the vision something that you mentioned earlier focusing on like what 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 how do we want it to be and how can we move towards it and hey um, also, um in the big frame of what what is it that you can do within your power of influence um, mm-hmm. uh yourself okay so it's very easy to get sucked into the big uh worldwide problems and i'm not doing anything ourselves so what is are we all collectively going to help better this world <laughs> everybody needs to do a little bit it's and not, get themselves in the green. Get that themselves be? in the green and start getting active. Active, active word is very important here, right? Mm-hmm. Then hold hands and then see how we can make this. The ripples will spread. I'm, I'm sure the ripples are spreading actually. Okay, it's if you keep the power with a few individuals around the world that are actually uh, thinking that they're controlling me, well, that's the opposite of self empowerment, isn't it? Okay, so I, I totally, you know, believe we need to all step up. And that's all part of bringing things into consciousness and bring and being a conscious being, meaning live a conscious life. In other words, be conscious of what you are doing and how you are being and how you are showing up. Okay? We're not going to change nothing if we're all operating in a four or five out of ten. So that you know, big deal here. Sorry, Natalie, but it's not just us, right? We think it's all just us, but you know, it's the collective. I agree. I think that's so great. Get get yourself to a green, and then we can help other people to do to get themselves to a green. Yeah, well. because you can't help if you're not overflowing or you're not really having spare energy, right? You just drag somebody else down to your level. So you need to be up leveling first, and then see about others. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you about your business in a minute. I'm going to ask you know what's okay. coming up for you and what and how do we connect with you, but um. I love that you work with couples. I know you work with um, people one-on-one, smaller businesses, um, yeah. and I know you helped a lot of people through that, you know, the, the COVID times, and even now when things are changing at the moment. But um, what's what is the biggest size of company that you would that you work with? I've got companies with like fifty staff, but yeah. I equally happily work with people that are startups and just by themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, it doesn't really matter. Um, uh, use this a lot in leadership development too, you know, for teams and staff empowerment and that type of thing. So that's working really well. And that's where the group programs work really well, right? So we've got the Be Bold Kickstarter that I organize and use it with personality profiling as well. So like a six, seven, eight week thing can be done in a company, can be done separately, can be done with individuals, right? Um, it's, it's guaranteed, okay? Nice. That's, that's a lovely one. So you, if it doesn't work, you get your money back. Italy, okay. You say, how many people have you given your money back? I say, well, nobody, because if you don't do the work, you know, uh, 
I say it will work. It will work if you do this, what I'm showing you. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So, hey, I'd love to know, because I know you help people to be bold. Um, yeah. I'd love to know how you've been bold. So how, what is something you've done in the last year um, where you've truly upped your own brave? Well, I did have an insight that you're going to ask that question. So I thought, okay, to be honest, it was really, well, for two other people might be quite a small thing. For me, it was quite big. Okay. Um, I sat in a restaurant by myself. I went to a restaurant by myself and enjoyed it. So it's not like I don't sit in restaurants by myself, but I don't often enjoy it. Okay. And I can't be present by it. I feel really alone. I feel by myself. Okay. One of my core beliefs is I'm alone. Okay. I live in the middle of bloody nowhere. Uh, you know what I mean? It's all literally true. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I make that true. Right. And so sitting in a restaurant, even though I love cooking, right? I love eating nice food, and then but I always look for somebody to go with. You know, mm. can you go? Come, you want to come? You know, so the company is very important to me. And one time I was walking through Parnell, that was about half a year ago, and it was evening time, and I saw this really nice Italian restaurant on the side, and I I felt this was the time, right? I wanted to go <laughs> and do that. But I think I'm not going to go in there if I don't enjoy it. Okay, so so did a little mini reset on the on the pavement there, and then I walked in, right, and I had a great time. A multi course dinner instead of just one course, and I walk out again, right? Yeah. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. So that was to me stepping up my brave. So then, to you, that might be nothing. You might be yeah. To you, that might be really easy. Okay, and other people might think that is easy. So therefore, really. I think part of the, my message that are in there is never really assume what's easy and what's hard for people. Um, uh, this, this to me is hard to do, and not just to go in there, but to enjoy it and to just to be present with what mm -hmm. I was eating rather than being worried about, hey, I'm so alone, I should have somebody with me. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think that's huge because that's the thing. When I talk about up your brave, it's not just about being courageous and resilient and bungee jumping or you know it's not just it's not yeah. that it's so different for different people and at different stages of your life different things so i think a lot of people would relate to that the awkwardness or the discomfort um of being going to a restaurant by themselves and enjoying it so i, I congratulations thank you uh what is something on your bucket list something you'd love to do be or experience that we can possibly help you to do well, I always talk about Alaska, okay? For some reason, something with Alaska. That's probably after I've seen that movie from, uh, you know, the guy that in the, in the, in the motor bus and something, and then he almost almost survived this Alaskan winter, and then he ate the mushroom or something, and then he passed <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> out in the wild or something at school. Anyway, so I'm very interested in going there. But I would love to catch up with somebody that lives there, right? To be part of a family there or something for a while, um, and just basically live there. That, that's that's something that I would like to do. I've, I've talked about many times. I moved my business to mostly online, so I can start. You know, I put the basics in place to be able to do whatever. But um, that that'll be it's something that I would really appreciate some help with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There's an invitation to our listeners. If you or anyone you know has not only been to Alaska, but actually lives there, 
um, Dawa is looking for some sort of opportunity to spend some time to live there, not just pass through, um, you can get in touch with him. We're going to go to his contact details in a moment. Or in the meantime, you can message me 2057 on the text. Um, Well, that's very cool. So what's coming up for you in your life, your business in the next six months? And how can people connect with you online? Um, Okay. okay. Online is very easy. It's um, www.loveyourbusiness.nz. You just type my name in and it'll already come up anyway. So I'm pretty Googleable. Um, also, and so the things that we've got coming up is the Be Bold Kickstarters, which basically kick off, kick off every every month or so when we have four or five people together. There's Be Bold uh, Mindset. Um, okay, so that is online and it's what, a five or six week program? It's a six week program Okay. Um, on the outside. So yeah, six sessions. Um, and that's generally the starting point of people working together with me. You know, some people just do that, but most people carry on doing some level of coaching after. Um, and then the, the new product is uh, couples and business, as you mentioned just before. Um, we do already work a lot with couple, couples and business, but we decided to start off with a couples and business retreat. And retreat, okay? Um, which then focus on the Friday, focuses on you. On Saturday, focuses on your relationship. And on the Sunday, it focuses on, on the business. The idea is to follow that through with an accountability type program and support program after. But to, for now, it's just standalone um, uh, weekend, uh, end of October, last weekend of October, somewhere in a luxury uh, accommodation. And uh, yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, okay. So if people want to get in touch with you, www.loveyourbusiness.nz. Yeah. Or you said they can Google your name. I'm going to spell it because it's a little tricky. So um, everyone, it's D-O-U-W-E. That's Dawa. And it's, can you say the surname properly for me? Hoogstra. Hoogstra. H-O-O-G-S-T-R-A. Thank you. H-O-O-G-S-T-R-A. Amazing. So good. Okay. So that's what's coming up. That's how people can connect with you. And is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap it up on Be Bold Mindset? Um, um, nothing too specific, but basically the power is with you. And that's uh, when people feel disempowered, and that's really the case. But sometimes you're allowing that to happen. And once you realize that you actually have some power over that, great things will come real quick. Um, and, you know, you might need a bit of a nudge or a bit of insight or a bit of a, you know, to show you how it's done. But the changes that can uh, come from that go really quick. And, um, you know, we get people from 5 out of 10 to an 8 or 9 out of 10 guaranteed within the space of six weeks. Now, what would your life look like if you were operating at 8 or 9 out of 10 every day for the rest of your life, right? So it's a big thing, Natalie, and the thing I really love doing. You know? Yeah, and and maybe not as hard as people think. No, it's not as hard as people think. Amazing! Thank you so much for joining us today. We've been talking to Dawa Hogstra, um, and he says, "You know, the power is with you." Thank you so much, Dawa. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. How to be bold. And the Be Bold Mindset. That was my interview with Dawa Hoogstra. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And I'd love to hear if you've got something coming to mind in your life. What does be bold look like to you? What does it feel like to you? Um, I loved his example in the up your brave question where it wasn't something super scary. Well, it was, it was intimidating. He talked about how um, going to a restaurant and eating by himself and here's the key, being okay with it, feeling at peace with it was his upping your brave. So yeah, upping your brave, being bold doesn't have to be something, um, something physical, you know, it can be quite an emotional thing as well. In this interview, we talked about noticing when you're in the green zone or the red zone and asking yourself, you know, what number am I now? One to 10, which is something they normally do. If you go to like a physio, they'll ask you, what number are you? I think it's a great tool. It's a great technique to use in daily life to check in with yourself, but also then asking yourself, how could I be at eight or a nine or even a 10? What can I do? What can I stop doing maybe um, to get into that green zone and become an eight, nine, or 10? Love these questions that he asked us. And I'd love to hear if you find that helpful as well, or what you personally do in your life to shift your energy or to get yourself into what Dawa would call the green zone. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Chick Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different, we can have our own opinions, have our own views, and have those conversations in a respectful way. Because respect needs to be given, it needs to be earned, and I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions, can have a platform, and we can work and talk together. And so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought alternative thought and I I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions but you know as I've said before there is no such thing as a wrong opinion opinions are like noses everybody's got one the exchange of views fair debate no cancelling no interrupting no aggressive responses we want to hear what people have to say Whatever side you're on, and the listener, the consumer, with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio, and I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. So thrilled to introduce my next guest. I'm talking to Astiana Truland. We are going to be talking about workplace wellness through leadership capability. Welcome to the show, Asti. Mm, kia ora. Thank you so much for having me here. It's so good to connect with you. And I know you're located in Motueka. It's such Hooray. a gorgeous place. It is a gorgeous place with a thriving community. Absolutely. Amazing to hear. For those of you that haven't met Astiana before, uh, she is a leader in the 21st century, um, the CEO of Ho-Ora Coaching. She's focused on leadership development and creating a wellness culture where individuals' health and well-being is considered first and foremost. Yay to that. 
Um, The triple bottom line, the TBL, is a framework or theory that recommends that companies, businesses, and organizations commit to focusing on social and environmental concerns just as much as they do on profits and stats. Um, Her vision is to build a legacy of liberated leaders who form an enterprise through working well, feeling well, and being well. That sounds amazing. Asti, a little background here. Asti set out her on her entrepreneurial journey back in 2015 to help individuals increase their awareness to support, recognize, and take action on what they see, feel, and experience to generate real change within the workplace na- workplaces nationwide, reducing fear, anxiety, and stress by placing greater focus on the solutions to wellness ways of working. The passion in her heart is connected to bringing a human aspect to learning business and being by and being by creating new paradigms, policies, and practices. Well, I'm so excited to hear more about that. Um, well, before we dive into things, and of course it might overlap, how have the last three years been for you personally? Yeah, thank you for that question. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is challenging. Um, the the amount of change that has been happening on the external to my body has been overwhelming at times. And um the the dynamics within family units, including my own and close relationships, have been ever changing. I know that for me, the last three years have been challenging, but also super transformative in my own body and in my own business. What do you mean? If it's okay to ask, what what have you noticed, especially in terms of your own body? Because I think. Some of our listeners will be listening, thinking, you know, I, 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 am I more sick? Is it ascension symptoms? What's going on? What have you noticed, if you're happy to share, in your own health and wellness or your own body in the last year or so? Yeah, the last year I've noticed that my body has this, I'm going to use the buzzword of resilience, a mm-hmm. sense of resilience to the craziness that's going on. And physically, I think I have more awareness around the symptoms of density, perhaps in my chest, maybe that's tightening, perhaps that's knotting in the gut area. Or for me, a symptom that I've noticed in the last three years that has made itself very much known in my body is skin irritations when there's um, more higher mind stuff going on um, or EMF around the place or closer to my body for sure. Because I was going to ask you, what you know, what do you think that's related to? What is it about? Part of me wonders: is it literally like irritations, meaning things are irritating you, and it shows up in the skin? Um, but also, obviously, the environmental factors, EMFs. You know, what do you what do you think that's about for yourself, and also for the people you've seen? Yeah, for sure. I feel as though it's a combination of both. I work predominantly with people in the workplace, which means we're often transmuting a lot of density, um, a lot of discomfort and disease, both in the mind and body. And as a facilitator, it is my role to take people into those places, very similar to what you're doing now, you know, opening up the corridor or the conversation. And um, the environmental factor within that also includes, you know, the likes of what we're consuming, not just through our mouth, but through our ears and our eyes and, and through our nose. So, yeah, definitely a combination of both environmental and um, and definitely interpersonal. It's heartening for me to hear because I don't really live in the world of like workplaces and corporate things. Like it's just not my, 
it's not my environment because I work for myself and I work with people who work for themselves and by themselves <laughs> and speakers and authors and entrepreneurs. So I am heartened to hear that workplaces are open to learning about, you know, and thinking about their body and their body's energy levels, not just energy, but kind of a more holistic approach that I feel like you're bringing into the workplaces. That makes me excited. Are they embracing it now more than before? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one thing in regards to COVID that I can really say thank you to. You know, we've all experienced a huge amount of change over the last three years and probably beyond then as well. But because COVID has been highlighted as something that really affects the human body, we have this almost ins, you know, to, to share with people what is truly important. And that's not just about the physical and my perception. Um, I think it's given leaders of or CEOs even of organizations that are quite large opportunities to realize that this is something we have to consider when we have people working for us um, because we are not machines. And it's not just about keeping people, and I'm using the air quotes, safe. It's looking at how can we keep people well and so that they can not just perform, like right, but show up as the best, healthiest version of themselves. Um, and the fact that you're helping them with that. What are what are the things that you've seen from other people? So we talked a little about your own your own body and what you've experienced, but what are you seeing from other people that they're kind of open to learning about and wanting to shift and change around that wellness piece in the workplace? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is busyness in the mind. And I know that most of us at some point or another can connect with that. However, over the past three years, this has been highlighted very extensively because of how crazy and changing it has been, you know, for people's workloads, perhaps their environments in regards to working. But also there's been heightened sense of um, fatigue so not just on a level where people are tired, but when they are genuinely burnt out in terms of adrenal fatigue, um, a lot of people having trouble sleeping, whether that be going to sleep or staying asleep. And so identifying that, you know, these are the symptoms essentially that people are feeling in their organization and their company or within their business and starting to look at factors that they can implement, you know, like breath work or like slowing down during their day to take breaks, something really simplistic can be super influential for their people. It's interesting the term, you know, slowing down because I, again, I haven't worked in a job job since 2008, but um, I imagine for some people they're like, oh, got to look productive, you know, can't be seen, <laughs> seen to be doing nothing. So that's interesting in the workplace. It's like, how do we get them to quality time, you know, when they're present and they're focused and they're working, having productive time, but then also having time when they're, you know, they need to take breaks. So how, what is the culture? Like, is the culture encouraging people to take breaks or is it still kind of go, go, go culture of working when you're working? So I can only speak, you know, from the workplaces that I'm currently involved with. And I feel really honored to acknowledge their existence because I too was starting to question if workplaces would even consider wellness as a foundational pillar so yes is the, is the short answer to those who I've been working with however I know that there are many organizations businesses out there that are still very far behind on this front where the the push comes from the people on the inside and um, trickles on down to everyone that's involved 
to our listeners who are listening to this, I would love to hear what, you know, physical body or emotional things that you've been noticing about yourself, if you're happy to share. Um, Asti mentioned the busyness in the mind, especially a heightened sense of fatigue, sleep struggles, whatever that might be. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And also what you're doing about it. You know, you might think you might've put in some boundaries, like I'm definitely turning off my tech at 10 or whatever. So let us know what you're struggling with, or maybe some of the strategies you've got. You can send us a text 2057. I always have to say you can send a text to 2057, so 2057. Um, Or if you're more inclined to email, it's inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, so Asti, I would love to hear from you if you've got some practical strategies, you know, things like activities or exercises that you actually do with some of these workplaces when you go in. Is there anything you can share with my audience today that they could possibly just implement at home um, having listened to you? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is breath, something that is overlooked so easily in the 21st century. Um, and to bring it into a more practical way of sharing this with you, I would recommend anyone to begin with perhaps a three count in through the nose with a focus on expanding the navel center and belly like a balloon and then inviting the exhale of the breath to move out through the mouth for an extended period of time. So perhaps that's four or five count. And for me, this is a practice that I bring into most workplaces that I am, am working alongside because it helps their people come back into a state of balance. Again, something that's so overlooked, you know, a simple breath or six, perhaps you do it even for just one single minute, but the effects of that have yeah, huge, huge changes within the physical body and also within the brain. It's such a... um a natural thing, breathing. And a lot of us know intellectually that, you know, we could breathe better. Um, in fact, I did a whole show about breathing a few a few weeks back, um, but having reminders and also little strategies on how to do it. I mean, some people set reminders on their phone, um, but it is, it's something that's just, it's actually an easy change, but what is the key? We need to do it consistently, like multiple times daily to create a new pattern. Mm, absolutely. The first point of that really is awareness on how you breathe naturally. You know, for myself, if I think back on my journey, I started off as very much a chest breather. Mm -hmm. So that already suggests to my body that I'm in a high stress state. So, yeah, the very first point of connecting with your breath is increasing awareness on how you already breathe. And from there, you have the ability to manipulate the breath into a space, you know, lower down into the abdomen and start to move it through the rib cage, perhaps even different points of the body can always be a really fun exploration as well. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned there, it's it's certainly something that has the power to transform the way that we're feeling or even the way that we're thinking. Yeah, so simple, so simple, but so powerful. Um, I've got another question, but do you have another strategy or or activity that you can give an example of? Yeah, absolutely. The next one also seems super basic, but like getting out, out to do the things that you thoroughly enjoy. So we're speaking about this within the workplace and most of the people that I work with are behind a computer screen, not for the whole day. They may, may be in meetings, et cetera, but ensuring that they have a form of tikanga or a practice, as I like to call it, in the meeting space where they're able to move their body. So whether that be um, a particular set of stretches, 
um, the one thing that we'd love to focus on is acknowledging this, the spaces of the body that become tight from whatever pattern that they've been playing out day by day um, within that workplace. And that's that's very different depending on what people are doing. You know, it just reminded me of something cool. Like a few years ago, I would go to these doTERRA retreats. You know, I do the essential oils. We go to these retreats. There'd be about 50 people in the room and I would bring my rocket board and I'd put the rocket board at the back of the room. Now, this is for those of you that don't know, this is a wooden board. It looks kind of like a snowboard, but it's shaped almost like a C, like a soft C. And the idea is you stand on it with your legs kind of, you know, one foot at each end and you rock, you know, back and forth. Number one, it's very soothing. Number two, it's actually a good workout for your butt and like your abs. And there's all sorts of different activities. You can turn it upside down. So it's like a rainbow, you know, and then you would balance on it and do squats. Anyway, I put it at the back of the room so that anyone who feels like they just need to stand up and move because it's quite intense sitting and listening all day, right? So, and then people felt like they could just get up and go to the back of the room. If they wanted to do the rocket board, they'd literally just standing on the back of the room, rocking back and forth while still being present while not sitting. And it's, it was amazing. People loved it. So check it out, you guys, get get yourself a rocket board. (laughs) It's a beautiful example. One thing that we have started doing is juggling Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's almost like bringing the play back into the workplace, right? Rather than it being the structured zone where we're only pushing for productivity. When we allow a sense of play to be present, it really does allow us to move from a different place. And movement is key. And you're right. It doesn't have to be go and walk around the block. It can be this rocket board movement, or it can just be the juggling movement, which obviously uses the left brain, right brain and all the things. My kids recently learned how to, well, tried to learn how to juggle. And they were like, mom, you're a good juggler. I didn't know you could juggle. And I'm like, dudes, there are a lot of skills that I have that you don't know about. Like I can't kick a ball. I'm so bad at basketball. I'm horrible at math. I can't remember numbers. Like there's lots of things I can't do, but I'm like, I I can spell like a, like I'm a champion speller. Um, It's very nerdy and um, I'm really good at juggling, (laughs) but I can't whistle. So that's cool that they're juggling. I agree. I'm like, bring back the fun and the play in the workplace, especially after the COVID thing where people are a little bit more awkward about like being around each other, what to say, what not to say. It's like, just make it more fun. For sure. Absolutely. That's great to have some insight on some of the things that you're really, really good at. (laughs) Talking. That's what I'm good at. And connecting people. Um, so one of the things that I that you believe, right, is to you, this is one of the things you say to lead forward with workplace wellness during a time of great change takes guts and generation of gracious leaders. Can you elaborate on that? Oh yeah, I'm going to start with the guts piece. Yes. Um, when we're speaking predominantly about the nervous system and that um, sense of stimulation that's gone on over the last couple of years. I like to acknowledge that when we're speaking our truth and we're standing up for things that we believe in, it actually takes a lot of integrity. And integrity can be super gritty, right? So for me to highlight that in something that I say often, it just demystifies the ease of of being a leader because actually it can be challenging and, you know, we don't speak truth to be honoured for it. But at the end of the day, it's the the path that it creates in, in doing so, right? And yeah, I think having guts is really about sticking to to what you feel to be most authentic for yourself. Um, and for me, that has meant 
saying no to a lot of things in the past three years, opportunities that I thought would be wonderful, but actually acknowledging that for me to lead, I have to be in a space that I believe. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the guts point. What about if someone's not a quote unquote leader? Like they, you know, they have a job, they don't consider themselves to be a leader. Um, but for them, it's they still, you know, I I would imagine at sometimes feel called to speak their truth or to, um, and I don't necessarily mean like their political views, but it's like to maybe question something that's going on in the workplace or to maybe put an idea forward. And that does take guts. Mm, for sure. And I think at the end of the day, we're all leaders. We're all leading our own journey, right? And whether we acknowledge that label or not, I think it really comes down to having trust and and being supported in what we're saying. So that could even be within, you know, a romantic relationship. It could be in the workplace, as you gave an example of. But the yeah, the crucial point there being trust like that deep trust of what the body is signaling because it doesn't just do that for no reason. And there's studies on this extensively through heart math and, well, we could name X, Y, Z in this point. But I think for me to acknowledge in terms of leadership, we're not just talking about in the workplace, we're not just talking about in the community, but we're also speaking about in the family, in our whānau life. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a badge outside of somewhere that we're living. So knowing that you can speak your truth and those who support you will be there and those who will not will not be there and that's okay. I'm glad that you said everyone is a leader. I agree. I feel like some people put other people on a, on a, um, they're the hierarchy thing. And I often say, I don't do hierarchy. So I have no kind of like, I don't really do hierarchy. I do equal, but not the same. Um, but I think some people do put others on a pedestal or think, oh, I could never be a leader. And it's like, honey, you already are you know, you are the leader of your own life. Um, but I think everyone yeah, is a leader in their own way. So I love that you highlighted that. You So what are some support structures then? Because I know you talk about support structures for our next generation and liberation. I mean, that's there's a lot in that. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So starting with support structures, for me, this really, like we're focusing more so on the workplace here because I believe in the, the the times that we're in at the moment, tides are turning. And as we get older, you and I both, there's going to be a new generation, perhaps your children, their children's children, who will then be in workplaces or perhaps living in communities, whatever that looks like. However, I believe that it is up to us, the adults in this space now, to create structures such as practices where we are not pushing in the workplace more productivity instead mm. we are aiming to support people and prioritizing them in a way that is pleasuresome and holistic so as simple as creating breaks but more so about the culture so I believe it is up to us as the individuals as the adults now to ensure that these practices are in place to support these beautiful young people that are moving through into the workspace eventually so what if you could design, you know, the ideal day in a work, like let's say someone hired you, Asti, come into our business. We really want to support our staff. Can you design the ideal day of how it would look in terms of concentrated work time and, and flow time or whatever? Like, do you have some things that you would definitely include in that? Yeah. So the first point would be speaking with their people. 
<laughs> because everyone's so different. I heard on um, another episode where you were speaking a little about human design. And so aspects of that and looking at who is in the team, you know, what it is that allows them to create from a space of inspiration rather than push. Mm. But then also in terms of relationships, how how that dynamic is playing out within the workplace. So number one rule, regardless of um you know, small or large organizations, we always start with the people and asking them because we all know what we would like to be doing and how we would like to be doing things. And if we can allow the flexibility or malleability to to do work like that, then we have a possibility to truly change the way that we're living. You know, so my background is, well, my business, networking, connecting people. And I, so I'm going to call what you said, I call it like, who's in the room, like, let's do a round of who's in the room. And I imagine in the workplace, it, a lot of it is like job description, job title, you know, it's like, oh, that's so-and-so they're in IT and that's so-and-so from HR. But I do believe every person has multiple superpowers within them. Um, in fact, I recently co-authored a, t- um, a chapter in a book and my chapter is maximizing your superpowers to grow your business. Now, not everyone wants to grow a business, but I think if everyone maximized their superpowers, sometimes we know people from work, but we only know their job title. And we kind of know that, oh, she's good with numbers and you know, he's really great at making coffee or whatever. But if we actually knew the superpowers and the talents and the strengths that each person brings, we could make such powerful, dynamic organizations to work in. Absolutely. And it's really about that connection point, right? Relationship. And I think an aspect of that also is having the vulnerability to share authentically, not just being, not just identifying yourself as the job title. I often get that when um, we have our check-in rounds right at the beginning and it's interesting to notice if one person does it, everyone will follow suit. So it's quite important to pick that up straight away, even if you are you know, a CEO or a manager or a leader that's hosting a, a connection meeting like yourself is actually say, you know, we're not going to be identifying as this. It's more about what we're bringing to the table for this particular um, you know, this particular point in time. I would love to see meetings run like that. That'd be so cool. Yeah. And it's and even calling it a connection meeting is so powerful. Okay. What else would you have in your ideal day? In my ideal day, I would for sure have a space for true connection. So more so outside of the office zone, if that's a place where people are working and also to have outside people coming into the space as a form of inspiration. So um, more so looking at environment. I know at the moment we have people supporting how people are sitting at their desks and you know how they're moving in the office. But for me, it's also about including a sense of sustainability on when we're connecting with other organizations outside of that workplace, other non-for-profits, et cetera. So we're kind of building a web here of um, people coming together, not just within that particular workplace. And actually, another thing that I would love to see even more within workplaces, and this is we're talking ideals, kai, food and quality, quality, quality mm. kai <laughs> that is consumed at meetings, not necessarily always pies and sausage rolls and yeah. the things that are easy. But if we're looking at supporting people as a priority, we look at what we're feeding them, Right not just through the mouth, but we can start there. So someone local that is perhaps growing their own food or a local cafe or, 
you know, again, a business that we can support from the community that can come in and and maybe educate as well as feed. Because I think there's um, a really beautiful link there when it comes to to eating, then knowing why we're eating this particular type of food. I think you're right. I think the days of like sausage rolls and pies, you know, and my daughter works at Bowl and Arrow and they do the most gorgeous like smoothie bowls. And some of the schools have actually started selling those at their, you know, tuck shop or cafeteria things. So it's really great to see some organizations, you know, offering more healthy options because it does actually change. It's an investment in your people. It changes their health and wellness going forward. Absolutely. And I suppose in a way for the older generation, it's going against the grain, you know, quick and easy and most likely light on the budget. It's it's a different concept to be prioritizing people and truly valuing them as a whole being rather than just, yeah, doing doing something that is easy and comfortable. So we've got connection meeting. We've got ideally a physical space for people to connect that's not right in the working zone. We've got some being conscious of what we're feeding our people, of course, both food and, you know, literally and figuratively. Um, What is one more thing that you would have in this ideal workspace day? Yeah. And the last point would be opportunity to share. And so I know with predominantly the organizations I have worked with in the past, up to the past three years, actually, they would normally have managers sharing. You know, they would be the ones posting those connection points, but actually offering, as you mentioned, people the opportunity to share their superpower, whether that is gardening, but bringing parts of themselves that are present outside of the work zone in there and beginning to unravel the fact that they are not separate. You know, we don't put on a uniform and simply become somebody else. I hope not anyway. Um, Yeah, so that would be my hope for sure that everybody could bring their whole selves to work and have the opportunity to share things or perhaps tasks or creations that they're truly um, inspired or, or love doing. I think the aspect of something they love, if they have an opportunity to share that, it's quite easy to talk whether you're a talker or not. <laughs> yeah. And and also, you know, I just, a um, few weeks back, I was at a networking event and I was speaking about upping your brave and being your true self, expressing your true self. And one of the things I was I was encouraging them to do was to have a backstory introduction. Now, this isn't necessarily relevant for people that don't have a business, but imagine in the workplace, if someone said to someone beside them, hey, so how did you get started in IT, right? That's your backstory. That's your origin story. Or, hey, how did you, you know, how did you just become the, you know, interior designer for, you know, whatever? Oh, well, and everyone has a backstory. Everyone has a backstory, not just business people, but you don't often hear it. You often hear like, oh, what project are you working on at the moment? Or how are your KPIs or whatever work, worky people talk about? So, um, you know, I think the backstory question is a great conversation starter. And wouldn't it be cool if one of these connection meetings, you know, and I do this TTYN, which is turn to your neighbor. So not everyone has to talk to the whole room. That's intimidating for some people. Not everybody loves to do that. But it's like turn to your neighbor and I'd love you to share a little bit about your backstory. So ask the person beside you, how did you get started in? And then insert whatever their role is. And you'd be amazed, you know, at the things you'll learn, but getting a little bit of a window into that person. And as a result, a deeper connection into like who they are. And that can totally change the culture of an organization. Such a beautiful question. 
so beautiful to have an opportunity to ask that, but also to answer. You know, it's creating space in the workplace to actually be truthful and open about how you got to where you are. And I think that's what I really appreciate when when we are hosting a space like whole water coaching is having those deep conversations and asking those questions and and specifically around um COVID and and confidence and clarity and all of those things that have kind of been chucked on the back burner as we bring the focus to moving forward. So to provide space and ask a question like that is super powerful, super powerful. Well, I would love to ask you. So you're a health and wellness coach and visionary. How did you get started in that space? Yeah, so I started actually as a personal trainer. So working predominantly on the physical aspect of, you know, the human body. And I had a pretty acute injury to my knee and I went through surgery and as I was coming out the other side and I was doing some rehab, I experienced my first ice bath and I practiced my first um, what did I say, session of Wim Hof breathing. And I had this beautiful, intense visual of something beyond the physical world. And what I had realized is that you know, years leading up to this, my dad passed away when I was really young. And so I've always had this really innate connection to what I would say is like wairua or energy, or some people would say spirit. And so for me, what I had realized is there was a sense of neglect there that I had not really taken time to look at that space for myself or those that I had been working with. And so as I started to develop a deeper connection to my own intuition and my own connection point, I started to share that. And that looked like um, holding women's circles and hosting retreats. Um, And again, as we kind of slid into 2020, that continued. And we started to, instead of hosting them at particular places, you know, like retreat centers or um, halls, we would have locational retreats out of a lotus bell tent. And this provided a really, really deep connection to the land. So for me, I think it's still an unraveling. And there's not one answer to to fill you in with that, but more so a journey, more so my journey of of becoming, um, and it will continue. For sure. Yeah, and life just kind of guides you, mm. and sometimes you it guides you places that you didn't really see coming. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, I laugh at that because. I love, I know I love the comfort of knowing what is next, you know, but what the last three years have taught me is that none of us know (laughs) and to shake it up and actually be okay with not knowing is a beautiful way to, to create a relationship with the world unknown. And that's the play in it as well. Like if we can't control it, we may as well be playing in it. (laughs) And be like, Hmm, I wonder what's next. (laughs) because it is so easy to go like, wait a minute. Okay. So how does this going to work? You know, getting all back to the busyness in the brain. Mm. Thank you for answering that question on the spot. For those of you listening, you know, maybe you want to ask someone in your life, their backstory question, you know, how did you get started? I mean, maybe you've got a neighbor that you've quote unquote known for 10 years, but you don't, you know, 
you don't really know them. It's like, imagine if you said to them, like, I've got this neighbor, right? And he, I know he used to work for Air New Zealand. He like an engineer or something. He's always in his shed and his shed is like immaculate. Like he's a, for sure, like a perfectionist type person. And I, you know, it'd be like, it'd be really cool to say, Hey, how did you like get started? And like, when did, were you first, how did you get started in the, the engineering mechanical stuff? Like what, tell me your story. And I mean, what a cool question rather than mm, pretty rainy today. Yeah. So, um, I hear there's a special at Countdown, you know, like just a little deeper conversations that aren't controversial. So it's not like, what are your thoughts? What's your opinion? It's just asking someone their backstory. It can open the door to so much cool connection. That's my challenge to you, audience. Take it or leave it. <laughs> mm, I'm going to take that challenge. There's, okay. there's a few people that have been passing in my life that I'm thinking, yeah, I can definitely ask them more about themselves yeah mm. it's cool and it's not here's the thing it's not like oh so the answer ideally the answer we don't really want is like a chronological you know history of what you did in your life you know it's not like oh well I came here in 1998 you know from Canada and I went to study outdoor education and I met my husband and I literally have been back to Canada twice in 27 years that is all very true but it's not you know what I mean so you don't just don't fall into the trap you guys if you're doing this don't fall into the chronological Chrono chronologically, whatever trap where you tell me play by play what you did and what you studied and whatever. It's kind of a little bit, um, yeah, slightly different than that. But of course, you can you can practice and just see what see what comes out of your mouth. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, hey, before we go to the four questions that I want to ask you, um, do you have a favorite place in New Zealand that you want to do a shout out to, or a person in your life that has positively impacted you over the past three years? I would absolutely love to give a shout out. Fox River on the west coast mm -hmm. there is a beautiful drive from Hawatiri Westport down to Greymouth Marfeta that um I do quite often and Fox River is this beautiful wild space so a little shout out to that space and someone that I would love to also shout out to is my mum I feel as though she has supported me in many decisions obviously as a mother over my lifetime but in particular, the last three years, and knowing that she's always someone that I can turn to heartens me and makes me realize that, you know, I'm always supported in the choices I make. Shout out to your mom. Mm. Oh, I love that question. I might add that. To, I'm going to make it five questions now. I love the shout out question. Thank you for um, for embracing that. Uh, so I'm, we're going to go to the up your brave question, which is what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? visiting this is going to sound so blasé but the first thing that comes to mind for me is visiting my nana in a time of uncertainty and this is predominantly in the coat when COVID was a thing here in Aotearoa in New Zealand and um she watches the news and is fearful of you know things going down I lived away from her in the at this particular time um, and before moving away I'd spend many days with her having cups of tea and having you know sharing conversations and I was back for a weekend and um, I had a message to you know that she was a bit scared to see me with what, everything that was going on in the world and I acknowledged that you know that was her her way of coping with the scarcity that was being fed to her and showing up at her doorstep for me was one of these points where 
I could have just waited until I was back next month and maybe it would have blown over by then, but the it comes back to the gut again, right? Like it was important for me to see her in that in that moment and for me to come into contact with her. So yeah, she she had moments with her and once I got to her doorstep and we got talking, it was like, you know, that didn't exist. And I wanted to highlight that because I know that there's been a lot of breakdown of the relationships and people's lives over the last three years and and it's time that we started opening our hearts again to continue the conversation beyond what has happened and mm. and realize that regardless of what strategy we're utilizing in this process, that um love is important. And something else that I'd also love to to bring up in this space in terms of upping my brave, I wasn't able to <laughs> share workplace wellness during the mandates um, because of my choice to not take the vaccination and instead of of mulling and being upset about it I decided I would create create an online program and for me it was the the process of being okay with saying no and instead continuing to create and so that is how my 10-week program Lead Forward was created so it's beautiful now to look back and realize that those moments of challenge were actually an opportunity Mm. for change yeah, both personally and professionally for me, for sure. Beautiful. Both of those examples. Amazing. Um, if you've got something, what is one thing on your bucket list that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that my lovely RCR community audience can possibly help you with? Oh, I love this question. I would love the RCR community to help me connect with more leaders and managers throughout the Mutu, throughout Aotearoa New Zealand. I'd love the opportunity to share kōrero and quality conversations with people that are ready, that are ready to open workplace culture in a way that feels pleasuresome and less pushy. So, yeah, I suppose the, the final point of that is connections, 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 connections. I love the alliteration of that, pleasuresome and less pushy. Okay, so there you have it, everybody. If you know someone who would who is a leader or a manager and open to shifting the way they do things, more connection, um, then you can get in touch. And what is coming up for you and how can people connect with you? So if people are wanting to connect, let us know how on the website or the socials and then let us know what's coming up for you in the next six months. Yeah, awesome. So Lead Forward is... Kicking off again on the 6th of July, this is run on a quarterly basis and will also launch again in September. Um, And we are also hosting a leadership wellness retreat down towards Queenstown in September. So we'd love to have some beautiful humans in that space, whether it's from the North or the South Island. And you can find these details on www.hawatercoaching.com and that is spelled H-A-U. O-R-A-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. And a really awesome way to stay in connection to me as a person is through Insta. And my Instagram handle is I am, so I-A-M underscore Astiana, spelled A-S-T-I-A-N-A. 
Yes, I agree. You're good at Instagram messenger. That's how we, that's how we connected. That's how we um, communicated. When you say the words September and Queenstown to me, I say, tell me more. So (laughs) September is my birthday. So let us know what is the date and who is that for? Yeah. So the date is the last weekend in September in terms of um, who it is for. It's predominantly for leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about workplace leaders. I'm speaking more about the people who are willing and wanting to lead, whether it is within relationships, whether it is within family or it is within the workplace. It's about creating more happiness and less fear. So some of the practices that we will be doing will be cold water therapy. We'll be practicing breath work. We'll also be doing some initiation <laughs> where we work with <laughs> where we work with hot and cold. And so the date for that is the 22nd until the 24th of September. All right. Make a note, people, if that sounds like you. And I love that. Willing and wanting to lead. So good. Uh, before we wrap things up, um, Asti, is there anything else that you want to share with our lovely audience today? I would love to finalize by sharing or inviting listeners to remain open to opportunity. I was thankfully approached by a friend to hand out some flyers <laughs> for RCR a few months back. And within that process, had realized that I wanted to speak directly to those who are involved with this community. And so I would love to yeah, invite you to take up opportunities that feel expensive and always lean into change. You know, because when we live in alignment, here's the thing, everybody, when you live in alignment, which means being who you are, living true to who you are, invitations and opportunities will come your way. And that's so cool that like, that's what happened with you. And it's such an honor to share your, by the way, your lovely, peaceful energy that you have when you speak. And when I, I know I see you on the video, this lovely energy that I can feel coming to me, but also to our amazing people listening. So thank you for sharing not only your wisdom today, but your energy and your vibration with us. Always a pleasure. Always. Amazing. Thanks so much, Asti. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It, we were chatting with Astiana Trulan from Ho'ora Coaching. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Oh, I absolutely loved my conversation with Astiana Trulan. So incredible to connect with her. In this interview, we discussed density, discomfort, and disease. We talked about Um, not pushing, but instead supporting people and also asking, what are you feeding your people toward? What are you leading them towards? Love it. Um, Asti has a program on currently at the moment. It's just underway, but you can still dive in. It's called the Lead Forward Program, and it's a 10-week program. And you can find that or tons of information about her. You can follow her on Instagram, which is I am underscore Astiana, A-S-T-I-A-N-A. Or if you look up, um, I'm going to spell it for you, H-A-U-O-R-A coaching.com. Hoora coaching.com. You can find out more information. You can see her incredible programs and how she can help there as well. Now, the song that Asti chose for us today is an amazing artist 
Uh, this is Dea Dova. It's Planetary Grid Music Journey. It's just a short um, audio, but you can follow this lovely lady on YouTube. And she does this song. Astiana says, I love this song and artist because it is created in sacred sites across the world, ley lines, and because the music evokes feelings of connection and expansion. So when I have someone suggest music to me, I, of course, go and check it out. <laughs> um, and I got to tell you, the video for this one is amazing because, of course, she's recording like in little caves or on top of mountains or by trickling rivers. And so, you know, cinematography wise, um, visually, it's beautiful, these videos. So I would definitely recommend you look her up. It's Dea, D-E-Y-A, Dova on YouTube. And here is a taste of her music. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. If you're just joining us, we have had three amazing interviews today. So if you missed them, you can go and check out the replays page later. We spoke with Nolene Levinson on empowered communication and brain dominance profiling, followed by Dawa Hoogstra on how to be bold in life or business. And just now, I was speaking with Astiana Truland on workplace well-being through leadership capability. Um, like I said, you can check out the replays, realitycheck.radio, and those will be up. Gosh, my team is pretty quick. Those will be up by Friday night, so you can go and have a look on the replay page. Um, at this point in the show, I love to do a little bit of a flashback followed by a sneak peek. So the flashback is where I share with you a little audio clip from a previous guest. And the guest that I've chosen is the amazing, inspirational Mark Mandino. He is based in Auckland and he became a quadriplegic in a surfing incident where he was teaching his kids how to surf. Many, many years ago, he runs a company called Adventure Works. So he literally helps people in the outdoors. This is what he was doing before the accident and is still doing it. Um, he's such an inspirational guy. And in this little clip, we're talking about 
triggers, and judgment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this little clip from our interview. And you can check out the full interview on the replays page. Here it is. What are some practical things you can share with us either around self-reflection or positivity, you know, moving forward, things like that? Triggers and judgment. For, for me, when I'm triggered by something, it's an opportunity to take that look in to see what I'm not conscious of that I am placing on that other person. You know, so when I when I have a strong emotional response to to something or someone, stop, notice what's going on within myself, and then ask myself, what is going on here that I am projecting onto this person that is actually mine? And get to know that. First, triggers are opportunities for self-awareness. Yeah, that is my learning. So great. And did you think like that before the accident? Oh, somewhat. I did. Yes, to some degree I did. Yeah, I mean, I trained as a counsellor as well prior to the accident. I, and I worked as a counsellor in, 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 in this. So, you know, I'm really aware of some of these psychological and psychodynamic theories of personality and self. But it's it's so true. And triggers, just for some people that might not have heard of that term, you know, you get triggered, you actually often will feel it in your body, like a fire yeah. kind of starting to burn in your belly and you someone said something or someone did something and you're triggered. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by triggered and how can that show up? Yeah, just a strong emotional response to something in a moment, um, usually related to another person. Uh, so, you know, a, a rejection of something that somebody says or a uh, a, a strong feeling of, of somebody being wrong and, and wanting to tell them why they're wrong <laughs> and how they're wrong. Uh, anger. It, it's for me, it's uh, when I make that judgment of somebody, usually there's an unmet need within myself that I'm not attending to. So, you know, the person is just a, they, they might have done something in the world which might not have been very good as well. You know, that's fine. You know, they might. It's not saying that everybody does things that they're great and that I've got judgments or internal stuff that's unresolved. They may have done something which is totally objectionable, but it's the emotional response to that, the, the charge, the big feelings that emerge in my body that come out in some sort of judgment or projection or mm. or blame or anger or that you know, comes from within me, bypasses my consciousness, and then... If I'm not careful, I'll just unload that onto a person and that is not very healthy for either of us. Yeah. Okay. So for here's, I'm going to do a little example just in case this is helpful for our audience. So for example, like let's say you're at a little gathering at lunch and someone like dings the little glass, you know, ding, ding, ding. And they're like everyone and they do a little toast. Some people might be like, oh, that was lovely. But someone might be like, oh, wow, that was a bit attention seeking. And then yeah. so you're so I guess with this, we go, OK, well, I'm triggered. I'm I'm naming, blaming or shaming or name calling that person. Oh, that yeah. person's must is so attention seeking. Get curious. Say, huh, why does that trigger me? Maybe it's me that desires a little bit more attention in my life. Is that how we look, unpack yeah. it? Yeah, that unmet need, my own, that I've not attended to, that I'm not aware of, that I've not been gentle with. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time, you know, just going around daily life, driving the, you know, the motorways, you know, that, that's a, that's an example that's always used. The person that cuts you off in the lane in front, well, who's, if I have an emotional charge to that, who's the one that's suffering there? It's not the person that cut me off. <laughs> you know, it's, I become the one that's suffering through that emotional charge, through that anger, through what 
comes up in my mm. body. That's my own. That's me. That's my experience. It's not theirs. You know, so it's my job. It's my responsibility to do something with that if I want to live a better life. I'm so looking forward to meeting Mark in person. I'm actually going to be organizing. So heads up to my any of my previous guests, I'm going to be organizing an in-person meet and greet as well as a Zoom meet and greet for all of the people that I've had the absolute honor of shining the light on and, and getting their message to, to the to the world, really, as my interview guests. So I'll be in touch, Mark and everybody else. Um, my, another guest that I've got, this is my sneak peek, another guest coming up probably next week is um, Tessa Livingston. Now, Tessa is a voiceover artist. You've got to follow her on Instagram. She's hilarious because she does all these um, little voiceover kind of mimicking activities. Um, she's also a podcaster and a speaker. And our topic that we're speaking about in our full interview is trusting your authentic voice and mental health awareness. So if you want to listen to the full episode, join me next week between 10 and 1 here on the Up Your Brave show. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy this little sneak peek with Tessa Livingston. Do you think a lot of people are not using their voice the way they should be? And yet that can be in a, in a career capacity or just in a speaking your truth capacity. Uh, absolutely. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. It's not a thing that we're ever encouraged to do. If you think about us as children, we start at a very early age being told to shush if we're being too loud. What's that old favourite? Um, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. You heard that phrase before? <laughs> you know, that's what we all grew up with and it and it encourages us to change and manipulate our thoughts and feelings and the way that we express ourselves at a very, very early age. So, and absolutely, especially over the last few years, people have been not necessarily squashed vocally, but their person has been squashed, their surroundings have been squashed. And as a direct result of that, the voice goes as well. You know, it gets physically hard to say what you want to say or what you need to say because you haven't been given the grace to do so. It gets really, really hard. Squashed is an interesting word. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I definitely feel like that. I definitely mm. feel like, you know, squashed or quashed or pushed back. These are words I use for myself or yeah. I've had, you know, barricades put in my way. Uh, you know, I've been shamed and bullied. Like those are all the words that I've had. And I think a lot of people can resonate with some of those words, but definitely being squashed um, mm. in some way. Or squeezed into the corner, like we listen. If you don't have anything, that, if you don't have anything to say that's along the lines of the narrative, don't say anything at all. Is almost yep. how we've been told. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets every every time that happens, it gets harder and harder to to do it again. And also, in in that, there's also a, a way of learning how to communicate authentically that actually isn't going to, you know, like to get other people's backs up or to maybe actually feel confident in your own authentic voice without actually having to say stuff out loud. We have internal voice and external voice and there's nothing wrong with feeling confident in your thoughts and feelings internally and not having to share them externally. That's actually just, as, I, I find that's actually just as powerful as being able to do both. Feeling so okay with the thoughts and feelings that you have and letting them resonate in you. It actually, I find that that helps to release your voice later on because you've really decided for yourself what's important to say out loud and what isn't. It's quite, that's been an interesting journey for me over the last three years, deciding where my voice is needed and where my voice is not. And almost like conserving myself to be like, no, I feel confident in what I'm thinking. And I'm going to keep that internal space and that internal strength for me. Because if I, if I use it out loud, my external voice might be shut down and then my internal voice will start to feel shut down. So that's been an interesting journey as well. 
I love that you highlighted that. I hadn't really thought about that in that way before, the internal and the external. And I Mm. think for a lot of our listeners, that will be a sense of relief because I imagine a lot of people feel like, oh, I really should, you know, quotation, I really should speak up or I really should Mm. say a little bit more. I really should be a bit more challenging Mm. rather than keeping it all inside. Well, I feel like there's something energetically with your frequency. If you feel at peace with your views and the voice in your head, and you really feel in tune with that, that is powerfully going to affect things anyway, even if it doesn't come out your mouth. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're now operating on your own frequency of, you know, that whole, um, if you see somebody living by example, even if you don't know what that example is, you can see them feeling being at peace with the, with with themselves and you feel more gravitated towards them. You feel more comfortable around them or whatever it is. We've all had that experience of our, our internal voice saying something like we're feeling uncomfortable about something or, you know, something's getting our back up or whatever it is. And then we go to speak and this voice comes out that just sounds completely like this and they and they don't and they don't match. Or why did we need to use that external voice? It's okay for that internal voice to go, oh, yeah, that feels yucky. That feels awful. I really, really don't like that. But I feel at peace with me and my sense of this. If I share this out loud, something might come back to me in a frequency that I don't want because it wasn't an authentic frequency for me to share at that moment. Mm. Not saying that we shouldn't stand up. Not, sh- not saying that we shouldn't speak out and um, and share our truths more. But there's also great value in knowing your own truth and keeping that for you. Definitely. That's so, that's so important for people to realize and to give themselves, you know, permission to not feel like they have to speak, but when they do feel compelled, go for it. Mm. Um, There are certainly ways to say things. I know that sometimes my sister told me, you know, sometimes when I'm, I get so excited about things that she's like, oh my gosh, like you don't have to attack me. And she, I was like, no, I'm not Mm. attacking you. I'm just like, feel really strongly about this. And to be fair, you know, she has been on the receiving end of a lot of my thoughts um, Mm. over the past three years. And um, it's good for her to be, feel free to say, I feel like you're attacking me. And she literally puts yeah. her hands up and makes this, you know, defense position. Yeah. Um, but not everyone's yes. going to have someone that will say that. So it is good to be aware of how we come across. How do you strike that balance, right? Of being aware how we come across and making it palatable versus being our true authentic self and really expressing how we feel, whether that's what they want to hear or not. I think it's taking the time to sit and breathe and it sounds so stupidly simple and it's because it is, but it's also really, really hard to engage with. We often get these, like like you said before, these senses of should or these senses of I have to speak up about this. Like if someone has an opinion about something that you're like, I absolutely fundamentally disagree with that and that nearly that feeling of should or have to comes up. Actually, if you can have a think about what value your words are going to have in that moment, it'll give you an understanding as to whether you should or shouldn't, I think. There's, I think if you can look at the intent behind your words mm. and then look at the effect they're going to have, well, if my intent is to either uh, tear down your opinion or make you change your mind, those two intents probably aren't very helpful for the energy and the frequency of the room, right? Because if you throw those things out there, you're going to be met with the same frequency. No one is all of a sudden going to go, oh, yes, I agree with you now. <laughs> you know, that that doesn't happen like that. So I think un- when you're in rooms and situations like that, understand what your intent is behind your words. And I think that's a step that people don't take. Why are you saying what you're about to say? What do you want from what you're going to say? And actually, if you can take a moment to just breathe and go, oh, that 
I didn't like that opinion and it made me upset and I wanted to hurt that person or I wanted to shame that person. You know, these are pretty big feelings and we don't always accept that actually that's what we want to do to people in moments like that. If we can take a moment to sit and breathe and go, actually, if I say that, the value of this is that it's going to do that to that person and I'm going to get this back. It's probably not worth saying. Mm-hmm. So it's worth to just sit and and feel okay with being upset. You don't have to challenge everybody. Oh, I just love Tessa's voice. She is so incredible. And one of the things she mentioned was that she used to speak with a high-pitched voice really, really quick like that. And then when she was able to be more true to herself and feel more grounded and comfortable in in herself, she started speaking as she does, as you heard her. Um, And it's so fascinating because when I do my editing, when I look at the... um, let's call it the graph of the interview, just so it's an audio file only. And the one with Tessa and I looked so different from all my other guests. And it must be her tone, the tone of her voice. It's so fascinating. Um, So many good messages there from her. And of course she does in the full interview, talk about mental health awareness as well and her own journey with that as well. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Up Your Brave show. It is so amazing to have so many people tuning in to Reality Check Radio. We have an exciting announcement coming next week, which I will update you on later. But in the meantime, I would love to know, what does well-being in the workplace look like to you? What does it feel like to you? Whether you are working from home like me, or you are going into the office, or possibly a combination of those things, or whatever you're up to in your life at the moment, we would love to hear from you. Um, You can contact us, of course, on 2057 on Reality Check Radio, or send me a message on Instagram. I'm Up Your Brave on Instagram and on Facebook, Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. You can also get more help to up your own brave in whatever area of life that might be, whether it is the workplace, business, relationships, wellness. I've got an incredible recommendations page on my website, upyourbrave.com slash recommended. You can check that out. Um, of course, we also, I would love requests for songs or guests, or topics that you've got. Um, Or if you've got something on your bucket list that you would like help with, we can also help you with that as well. And also love to hear your opinions on what is going on in New Zealand and the world. And earlier in the show, I was asking if anyone had seen the Barbie movie. I was quite keen to know your thoughts um, because I'm skeptical about the messaging in that. Uh, But I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Um, Hey, until next week, where I'm going to be talking to Tessa Livingston and, of course, two other amazing guests, um, definitely join me then. But until then, have yourself an amazing weekend. Maybe have a little think about some things that you might have learned today from my three amazing guests on the topic of empowered communication and workplace well-being. And remember to up your brave, whatever that means to you. Thanks so much for listening. This is Natalie Cutler-Welsh with the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio. Hi, I'm Katie Ashby-Coppins. You may have heard me on Reality Check Radio's legal hub on breakfast on Wednesday mornings. This is a public service announcement to remind you that feedback on the government's proposal as outlined in the Safer Online Services and Media Platforms consultation document is due Monday 31 July 2023. Now, given that mouthful, I'd prefer to call the proposals by what they really are, online censorship laws. What is being proposed is a serious threat to free speech. These online censorship laws 
if enacted, would effectively make certain speech illegal under the guise of keeping us safe. Now, we've done the heavy lifting, so you don't have to. We've summarised the proposals, we've outlined how the censorship laws will impact on free speech, and we've let you know how you can have your say. Our easy-to-use submission template means that for as little as five minutes of your time before the end of this month, you can make your voice heard. Visit www.defendfreespeech.co.nz today. That's www.defendfreespeech, or one word, .co.nz. Make no mistake, these proposals are squarely aimed at media organisations like Reality Check Radio. Free speech is a fundamental human right and is under serious attack. Without free speech, we are not free. Please take action today. Do it for yourself, but also do it for our future generations. Visit www.defendfreespeech.co.nz to learn more.